You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. I'm Tana Ford here at New York City Comic Con with these lovely gentlemen. And later, I'm going to be drinking Basil Hayden's Dark Ride. <laughs> Done in one. That's a one shot. It's a one shot. Auspicious start. Woohoo. That's awesome. Most auspicious. Yep. We're on the rails now. (laughs) It's good to be on the rails. When we go off the rails, I know people like that kind of stuff, but uh, I think this episode is not one to go off the rails. Spilled beans. Love it. Hate it. Tell me right now. <laughs> Wait, what? what? Wow, we got to do our business. Get our, get, let's get our business thing, bro, man. Uh, uh, right? Oh, he's so, he's, he, he's such a rule person. <laughs> he's so rigid. Uh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Silent rigidity. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock. Silent rigidity. It's 11 o'clock comics, <laughs> episode 790. Yeah, we're 10 away. Damn. It's crazy. 10 away from just ending it? No. <laughs> oh. Maybe you guys, but I told you, I'm going to be the Maybe one to shut the door guys. on this bitch. I'm Vince B. Mm. You absolutely are a magnificent person to you. I am David A. Price. Whoop. I can I can definitely agree to both of those things because I am the truth. Oh, you're my favorite. Course. Yes. You're not you well, you know what? I think you are the truth in some mm-hmm. respect, but mm-hmm. you are much better looking. And you don't wear like <laughs> dirty underwear. Uh <laughs> you're Jason Wood, everybody, together once again for this our book of the month episode. And what are we reading and talking about this episode? Well, we are talking about Enigma by Peter Milligan. Duncan Fagredo and Sherilyn Van Valkenburg. I love that name. Uh, as voted upon by whom? Our patrons. Our patrons. Patron.com, 11 o'clock comics is where to go if you want to see what this whole Patreon thing is about. I'm sure you're familiar with it, but we have our own little corner of that universe. And what do we do there? Well, we serve up images daily and polls, and video, and audio, and we have a dedicated Slack channel that our patrons gather every day, and we just talk to these people, these family members, constantly. And if you would like in on that, just please go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, because they are the beautiful souls that sponsored this episode. And we love them, not just for that, but that's a part of it. We love them. You ain't lying. Yep. So I will, I will, I will lead us off with the question that that everyone wants to know, which is, what are we drinking? Yes. <laughs> it wasn't that, was it? Maybe. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to do your your standard book of the month. Well, no, I, but you, I, you're you're correct. The next question should be, what in fact are you drinking, Vince? Yes. Well, I'm drinking Swill. Because I didn't have time to go to the anywhere. I'm drinking uh, black and tan. Well, it's not swill. You drink it so often, you must genuinely enjoy it. Um, well, just because I'm well-stocked on something doesn't mean I necessarily mm. enjoy it. Right. Yeah. 
but it's here. It was available. I didn't have to go anywhere after a hard day's work. And I said, eh, I'll just, I'll bring the black and tan. Nice. To the table. Well, you, you recall last week when I lamented the, uh, the dog eating my muffin story. <laughs> yes. Remember I told you all that? Mm-hmm. So all is well with the world because I just finished after two weeks of waiting for this, I just finished my delightful gluten-free chocolate chip muffin with a delicious cup of coffee with it because my lovely wife picked me up one from the Whole Foods since they were there today for SET tutoring. Well, in that shopping center. So I'm, I'm like, it's like post-coital, dude. I'm like, I'm just riding high right now. I can still taste the muffin. Yeah, TMI. My, oh, it's so good. Uh, gotta love, gotta love the, the muffin aftertaste. Am I right? Um so I am. What exactly uh, are we talking about here? With, <laughs> I'm washing it down with some 365, which is the Whole Foods brand grapefruit sparkling water. Okay. Save us, Dap. You're our only hope. Uh, since no one, no one is uh, drinking wine, neither am I. Uh, I am enjoying a delicious Negroni. Uh, Perfectly crafted, um, thanks to the contraption I have downstairs in the newly built and installed cabinet that now houses said contraption. And it's really good. It's a, it's a gin drink. I don't I'm not I don't drink a lot of gin drinks, but um, this is really good. It's Campari, some sweet vermouth. Some, it, 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 it's supposed to be garnished with an orange peel, which I don't have, but it's still hella tasty. Well, according to Evan Dorkin, through milk and cheese, gin makes a man mean. I don't know. That's what he. That's depends what they on, say on the coaster. I know, but it depends on. The, but everything, every, alcohol, different, different spirits affect different people differently. Because yeah. it's, yeah. I mean, I've tequila gives me a headache. Vodka is a truth serum. Uh, rum makes me happy, but there's you know. Certain things just hmm. hit you differently, I guess. Yeah, like Will Smith. Everything makes me horny. Boom. Yeah. Oh, it does, everything makes yeah. you horny? Yeah. Beer, yeah, no, wine, doesn't well, matter. I don't, yeah, I can't, that's not. Yeah, just keep it away from me. In groups. Me, me being horny has nothing to do with what I'm drinking. That, that's pretty much a constant. It, it's, it doesn't take much for that. To, anyway. It's a very uh, apropos lead in i was gonna say it's a perfect lead into this book in it is it is um again the book of the month we are about to unveil our thoughts on enigma milligan fagredo van valkenberg jason usually leads with a very very important question yes and we're going to surrender the table to him mm-hmm what uh when was the first time that you read enigma and we'll start with you, Vince. I bought it as it was coming out. Be- I I mm-hmm. was yeah, really surprising. I bought everything Vertigo. Yeah, it didn't matter. Um, so, and that because the hit to miss ratio with Vertigo is very very. Uh, I guess it would be wide, lots and lots and lots of hits, but very very few misses. So I was always confident in funneling. A good amount of my budget towards Vertigo, and Enigma was just another one of those series that uh, just paid off. It, it, yeah, 
Nice. So it, it and and just to put some flavor on Vince's answer, this was published originally as an eight issue miniseries under the Vertigo imprint back in nineteen ninety three. How about that? Um, so yeah, and uh, and it's I guess but as good a time as any to mention that this is actually going to be a Touchstone comic, but uh, which was Disney was launching an adult comics imprint, but uh, it never. It never happened. Touchstone never released a single issue before dissolving, and uh, Berger acquired the rights to it, uh, snapped it up, and and uh, and made it one of the pillars of early Vertigo. Um, and uh, yeah, so well, I think uh, Dap. I, I think I know your answer, but uh, but how about you? When was the first time you read uh, Enigma? Uh, yeah, no, this week. Thanks to the uh, thanks to the library when I picked it up. Uh, it was um, and it. It's. I, I knew it was a Vertigo book because, of course, it's written by a Brit. So, of course, it'd be a Vertigo book from the '90s. But uh, <laughs> I was. I was surprised as I'm because I. I was able to check out the deluxe edition, and uh, I was surprised right there on uh, early on in the intro pages. It's a. Uh, it was actually reprinted or published under the burger books imprint from dark horse which threw yeah. me because i i mean obviously there's there's a connection there with vertigo and karen burger but um i i was i i was a little it just it it took me a second it didn't it, it jostled me just slightly because it's it's not it's, it's not often you'll get a reprint with a different publisher it happens from time to time obviously but uh i figured i mean dc is still around uh, i i was just a little surprised that uh that it wouldn't still be in house, more or less, at 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 DC and pub- republished under like Black Label or something. Yeah, but, I don't think that's a good fit. No, no, no. It's what isn't a good fit. Black Label. I don't think. Oh that's, no, no, absolutely yeah. not. No, no, no. I, I don't. And I, 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 I dislike the idea that Black Label is a Vertigo replacement. It, it, it isn't. But um, yeah. No, I think regardless of of who actually puts the book together and gets it in your hands, um, it's a. Uh, it, yeah, like it, to answer your question, first time, and uh, and I think uh, honestly, I think if um, obviously I wasn't as mature as Vince was when it was coming out, so I think I think I'm reading it at a time where I kind of should be reading it because I can appreciate it more. I don't think I would have um, has been. I don't think I would have been as entertained or uh, engaged had I read it when it was originally coming out if i had it available to me mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and i'm in the same boat this was the this was my first read of it as well um now you, you said the deluxe edition i believe you meant to say the definitive edition right because i assume we're talking about the same yes yes yeah. yes definitive yeah yeah and i have to say i mean yeah it is deluxe. Ber- i mean it is deluxe but it's it yeah. is called the Enema right. yeah definitive i mean edition. and i had a, if i moved my ipad i would have seen it on yeah the cover, so yeah you're right and it's it's beautiful i mean that i have to say for a book that was out of print for a long time um and i have no idea like you said why why it was out of print for as long as it was and if it was some kind of rights issue it must have been because obviously like you said burger got the rights back or at least reacquired them i don't know if she had to pay for it but whatever um but this is a beautiful. I mean, this version is is fantastic. It's 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 an all white uh, hardcover with uh, with purple um, inlay for the character of the Enigma, and there's a purple uh, built-in ribbon, which I'm always a fan of. Very handy when you're reading a hardcover if you don't don't have time to read it in one sitting. Um, really well done, I think. Collection. So, kudos to her for that. 
because I think the the most recent way to read this was a trade that came out what about 15 years ago back when trade paper packs were just the hotness and they were reprinting everything in trades and uh that was uh that that had an introduction by grant morrison at the time so this definitive edition has pieces by milligan and figredo um as well as a you know a couple dozen pages of uh of, of back matter and process ephemera as well that have never i guess apparently never been published before so right really nice way to bring it back into the ethos i think it's a very good fit at dark horse mm-hmm. I, I, I like the fact that uh what i consider uh what should be an evergreen title is at dark horse because i don't think this book should have ever got out of print it i think it's a very important work I, I thought somewhat um, in, in in those terms back when it was coming out, but now I there are a lot of things in the book, uh, concerns and concepts uh, that I think Milligan was incredibly prescient to include in his book. There are struggles within this book that I think people uh, today. Uh, are still dealing with and um I, we'll get to it we'll get to it but um i i i think he's incredibly insightful in in a lot of respects in this book with um some of the uh jeez oh, uh you know the, the 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 deeper meanings that are buried underneath the the uh, extravagant and outrageous antics on the surface. There's there's stuff in here that really matters. It really means stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they deeply concern um, a whole lot of people. So yeah. we'll get to it. Yeah, and I I mean just so we don't bury the lead here. Uh, I I thought it was a masterpiece. Oh, yeah, I, really, I I agree. Yeah, I I and it's one of those books where I think you need to give it the time. It deserves you need to take your time with it and one of the reasons that i say it's a masterpiece is because um it seemingly it's it's strange and has non what you think to be non sequiturs in a lot of places it can feel disjointed confusing but what makes it a masterpiece and why i'm willing to, to throw that that uh that accolade out there is that by the end of the book Everything mattered. It all connected. It all yeah. made sense, and that is so difficult to do. Like when you're when you're crafting a story, to to be able to have every tendril feel disconnected, but you have faith that the author knows what they're doing, and then to have it all come back and and land into 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 you know the the conclusion is just ridiculously difficult. And 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 I, I any time that that has happened for me, whether it be a book or most often comics because that's the thing I consume the most. But but film, anything, it's always so impressive, and I'm always like, God damn! Like now that is some serious writing, and that's how I felt about this. You know, I yeah. halfway through, I was probably like, this is interesting. I, I I don't, you know, we'll have to see where this goes. I, I you know, this is crazy, uh, and comics should be ridiculous, so that's cool. But by the end, it was like, oh shit, okay, like wow, all right, like props, props to you, Peter. This wasn't just like a fever dream. Like there was a point to it all, so. I do think the first issue is borderline impenetrable. 
um, because he throws things at you that uh, are seemingly unconnected. Um, sure. and, and I think the concepts are just so insane um, that you're trying from the first issue to piece them together. And I don't think it's possible. Right. In, in the first step. Um, well, the lizards, like you, right? I mean, the lizards are on the cover of the trade, not not the, in this book. That well, there are the lizards actually on the cover of this as well. Mm-hmm. But like the lizards, right? Like that, like that to me is the that is the uh, that is the 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 totem for what we're talking about. Like like it's so it seems so strange that lizards are prominently featured and so weird. And then by the end, you're like, oh my god, okay. Like it and it it just it like it's almost as if he like opened up the Encyclopedia Britannica to find some kind of thing that was random, looked up geckos or lizards, and then thought, all right, I'm going to make this. And But but to his credit, it, it all makes perfect sense by the end, and that's right. fucking hard to do. I'll be totally honest. I mean, I'm not Megamind. I, everything isn't immediately apparent to me. Like I, I got to do some work uh, mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first read-through, I did not discern the identity of the narrator. I had to read it again, and then I was still, wait a minute, what? Okay. Um, And then, you know, after a couple years, I went back to it, and I'm like, oh, and it's confirmed in the introduction. So I feel, you know, vindicated. In, But initially, I'm I'm like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but then why would it? Uh, it, There's a lot of very, very strange things in this book. But uh, I now, reflecting on the book, I don't think he could have made it more plain. <laughs> it's like, it's right there, you know. Um, but, you know, hindsight is, is, uh, is, is uh, beneficial in 2020. So, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't get it in the, uh, on the first read through. I had to read it many times. So, there's that. <laughs> so I'm I'm on record as saying it's a masterpiece. Uh, neither of you have really weighed in as to what you think of it. Well, I guess you just concurred with me, Vince. So you, but... yeah, I I wholeheartedly concur. Maybe. Even even now, yeah. many many decades after the fact, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, it's I only read it the one time. This is definitely something that I would um, I could see me revisiting later on down the line just to see. Uh, what else I may have missed the first because I I would have liked to have taken my time with this and really give it the um, the time it deserves. It, it's because I did get the book so late um, that wasn't entirely possible, unfortunately. Um, so I kind of really talk about what I gleaned from it on a surface level. Um, but it is, it's, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's stunning whether it's, I mean, the art's fantastic, but even, even the story. And I mean, and it's, it's not something that, um, it isn't something that you're just going to read through. We, we hear so often that, uh, and what I mean by that is we hear, so, oh, you know, that, 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 that comic took me five minutes to read, you know, $3 later and, and, and I'm done in within 10 minutes and, you're not that's not happening with this even if you just read an issue um uh, without trying to binge it or or you want to take your time with it but it it's it's um there's there's a lot here to 
roll through your head and and just kind of dwell on um it's it's it is an absolutely fitting book of the month um but i think uh i think it's something that i would like to really sit down and 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 take my time with at a uh at a later date sometime in the near future Hmm. yeah i think this is the only kind of forum to to cover Enigma. If we just did it on a regular episode where it was just like, yeah, what else you got? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't sure. really think you're going to give the book its yeah. due because it's, uh, like I said, not only is it layered, um, I mean, Swamp Thing's layered, right? Mm. I mean, there are, Watchmen is layered. There, there are many books that have um, uh, subsurface concepts, but I think Enigma stands out from the pack in that the 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 concepts bandied about in this book and the concerns are very important it's just not like why did dr manhattan do that you know this this is is real world problems and situations and 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 concerns that make and break people's lives i mean um the, one of the th- concepts in the book and and we'll get to it is that uh, a bunch of people um, kill themselves and and we'll like i said we'll, we'll cover that but that's reflected in our real world i mean people have killed themselves over these concerns that's how deeply rooted they are and and they're a struggle for some we're burying the lead let's just get to it all right so eight issue series uh focusing on a young man what would you say 20 well it's specific in the book 26 he is Yes. Yeah. 25, 26. Name's Michael Smith. Um, Michael is, uh, to say he's detached is, um, I think, underselling it. Uh, He's a creature of habit. Um, Doesn't really have many opinions. Uh, As we open into the story, he's he's with a woman named Sandra. Uh, They have a very rote existence a very regimented every tuesday they have sex you know we do this on this day and it's just boring and lackluster and uneventful and they just keep doing the same things out of inertia but uh i mean as the story unravels we learn a lot of things about michael that uh he's an only child uh dad died in an earthquake uh so uh, mom was raising him alone and then one day she just decided to to just leave him on a street corner yeah. uh so he was abandoned uh and uh, which may which does uh play into a lot of his issues with um actually embracing life and 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 beings and and allowing them to make him feel meaningfully so uh, yeah i guess if i was left on a on a street um, I mean, the comic books that he was left with w- would would kind of uh, soothe me a little bit, but then after a couple of days, like I'm alone. Um, mm-hmm. So he was bounced around orphanages and 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 foster homes and stuff. And um, unbeknownst to Michael, see, this is how bad it is that uh, his longtime girlfriend is actually sleeping with Michael's friend Joe on the side, and nobody but those two know, and it's. It's 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 a betrayal, right? But it's, you know, she doesn't seem to care, and I'm sure um, if Michael knew in the in the initial issue, he probably wouldn't care either, you know, because he's just 
I, unemotional maybe is is a good word to describe Michael. He, yeah, I think you, I think you said yeah. detached. I mean, he, he kind he of reminds me a lot. Yeah, he 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 reminded me a lot at the beginning before we really start to get a fuller, richer picture of what this particular story is about of uh, the narrator from Fight Club from Plenix Fight Club. You know, ah, Tyler Durden. Yeah, Tyler Durden. Just you know, the, but that like when when we're just introduced it to the narrator at first in his life, right? He's just this mundane punch the clock. You know, live your life. There's just no real pleasure out of anything. Just, just, just almost like being an automaton where you're going through the motions and you're seeking what you think is supposed to make you happy, but none of it really affects you in any way, yeah. good or bad. It's just you're just kind of living that life. You're just you're just a drone, part of the the cosmic machine. That that's that was kind of the vibe I was getting from Michael in the first half of the first issue, and then obviously from there it it, it the, the the complexity of the story changes dramatically. But but at first I'm like, okay, this guy's just want to. Just, just living his life, just, just without much, much passion, one way or the other. Yeah, and and I think it was uh, insightful uh, on Milligan's part to make Michael a telephone repairman, because what uh, that kind of uh, serviceman does is he facilitates communication, right? He makes connectivity happen, and the fact that. Initially, Michael is removed almost from existence. That's kind of a neat counterpoint that he's 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 pulled back from the world in in many senses, but his day to day job is bringing people together. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. I, I like that. Uh, I mean, that's just not a throwaway. Ah, I'll make him a telephone repair man. That's that's planned. That's calculated, right? Yeah, um, I don't think I think it's important to. to at least from my vantage of reading this, I, I don't think there's anything that's a throwaway. No, nothing. Absolutely <laughs> no, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and, it's, and it's ridiculous that uh, he played it out masterfully for eight issues. And I, I, yeah, yep. we can go back to Watchmen and say, well, Moore did it for 12. I, 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 uh, yes, of course he did. But um, this is uh, an incredible tapestry of interwoven concepts that, like Jason said so uh, eloquently in the beginning, Every thread is important. There's, there's not a, you know, nobody threw a gold thread in just to jazz it up. Or it, every thread means something in this book. And um, another uh, notable uh, series of events in Michael's young life is that he has dreams, uh, dreams of a masked man. Uh, what do they mean? Well, in terms of the first issue, not a whole lot, but they will. Uh, they'll play out. Um, and uh, in this this uh, area in which Michael resides, it's called Pacific City, there is a serial killer running around. And the media has um, dubbed him the Brain Eater, but uh, he goes by the head. And uh, this creature uses a device to suck out the brains of his victims through their noses. And doing so, he experiences, in one immediate blast, the entirety of their lives. Hates, fears, loves. Um, and and the, the head is also an AKA for a man named Roger Cliff. Uh, Roger was in Arizona and uh, accidentally ran over a red lizard. See, this is where the book gets a little, well, very strange. Ran over a red lizard, um, and, and instead of squashing it, uh, he just dazed it. 
and the, the lizard was unconscious. And so he, he took it back to his, his place and he, he nursed it back to health and everything's great. You know, he's feeding the lizard, lizard's his buddy until the lizard died. And Roger, oddly enough, thought, eh, I'll pickle the lizard. So he, he kept it as a memento. Yeah, who the fuck pickles? Ah, I, yeah, yeah, I don't like, know. It's like, what? It's just weird. <laughs> but hey, it works for me. And he kept the lizard as a memento, um, ornamentation for his apartment. Uh, until one day, the lizard returned to life and began to speak to him. So the lizard gives him a costume. Uh, and a new life as the head. And so this this uh, man-come-serial-killer creature is, is just traipsing around uh, Pacific City sucking people's brains out. And he's a grotesque. I mean, he's, a, he's, he's been mute, he's mutated. He's got a yeah. just grotesque, alien-like, insect-like, gigantic head. I mean, it's you know, ten times bigger than it should be. Yeah, and and, and xenomorphy, the whole spine thing. It's right. Yeah, yeah, like an almost like exoskeletal kind of. Yeah, but mm-hmm. he's he's dressed in a striped leotard. Like, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's like, just like, like he's a he's in a bathing suit from the thirties. Yeah, it's just really strange. Uh, he does look like it, like thirty style boxing, and he yeah, in the, he's in a <laughs> scope tone. Um, and, and the, the, the mouth area on this creature is very disturbing to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like an extended withered grandma lips. Like, come on, give grandma a kiss. Like he's moving in. <laughs> oh no, Aunt Bunny's coming to get me. Yeah. And you just want to get, you want to be anywhere, but near those yeah. lips. Like they're very pronounced and very pooched out. And then he pulls this tool out, and he sucks the brains. It's just ridiculous. Uh, but the uh, the head, the the lizard is is always in tandem with the head, until it's not. Like he drops the lizard at one point, and a policeman on a crime scene, uh, the after effects of the head. They're 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 looking at all the evidence and the this officer just decides to take a piece of evidence home with him uh, the lizard and uh, brings it to his apartment Um, and it doesn't end well for this officer because the head obviously wants his his lizard back a red lizard we got to be specific with that and uh, so while this is happening michael notices a flying green lizard and so he he follows the lizard and the lizard leads him to the policeman's apartment mid-assault by the head. So uh, the poor policeman is dead, had his brain sucked out. But the policeman's uh, girlfriend is in, she's in hysterics. And uh, Michael barges in and uh, sees the head who um, maybe he realized that, uh, you know, it was getting too crowded for comfort. So he just runs right out through a window, smash, and um, that's when Michael notices, looking out outside, of this man standing on the ledge of a building, and he's got the green lizard in his hand, and it's glowing, and it's it's floating, and it's this 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 uh, man is very elegant. Um, beautiful hair, if I do say so myself. I had hair like that once in my life. Now, unfortunately, no more. 
but uh, he's got beautiful mane of black hair and he's got a a mask, a uh, half mask, like they, they wear masquerade balls to, to, to hide his identity and beautiful flowing cape um, jacket type thing. And, and Michael's like, w w is something about this man triggers something in, in Michael. So he, he runs down, to, he tries to follow him, and he runs right into the head. And the head does what the head does. Sticks his, his tool right up Michael's nose and into his brain. And is, yeah, that's the end of the first issue. And it is just about to suck when this, this masked man intervenes and dispatches the, uh, the head, kills him. And so as you're reading this, as anyone would be reading this, you're thinking, well, this, this young fella just had a, a an ice pick jammed into his brain, his frontal lobe. He's not going to be all right. He's, I mean, that man that he once was is probably gone. I mean, he's got, when the, when the character, the masked character, uh, interrupts the altercation, the, the head pulls the tool or is, 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 is thrown. And in being thrown, the tool separates from Michael's nose and there's all this blood and brain matter on it. It's disgusting, right? And Michael's just sitting, well, laying there with his back propped up against the, the, the brick wall and he's bleeding out of his face and he's, it's not looking good. But um, unfortunately, well, fortunately, it comes out for the better because while the um, Michael was taken to the emergency room and, and uh, Sandra's there and she's told by the doctor, hey, here's the deal. Um, he may have survived the ordeal, but uh, only in body. That, that dude that you knew is, is probably been erased i mean even if he does survive he's going to be a, a vegetable um is you better make peace with it because the only thing keeping this guy alive is the life support and she sandra feigns sorrow like she's 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 doing the 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 dutiful grieving girlfriend routine and she really probably doesn't mean it you know she it's it's not genuine at all but um the, the, the hook is that the masked character, who is the Enigma, saved Michael. He's got those kind of powers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Godlike um, God -like powers. A, 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 couple, a couple of things before we move on, though, because I don't want to lose, lose the track, because um, you're into the second issue. First of all, I, Peter Milligan is an incredible writer, and I, I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not using hyperbole. Like, I think he's... What I what I mean by that is is there are all kinds of different effective ways to tell stories and to write comics, but Milligan is a writer. You know, he he loves the power of words and the interplay of words. Like his his the words we see in 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 bubbles and thought balloons uh, and dialogue boxes in his comics are very meticulously thought out. Yes, you know, this isn't a case of where he he fills in the dialogue to just further the concept of the story, which, which again, there, there are people who do that and, and that works well too, but like he chooses these words very carefully. And I, I find myself mesmerized by his wordplay quite often. Um, I, I think he's excellent at it. And um, 
the first two pages of the series are you didn't you didn't directly touch touch on them and i i think it's important to make mention that how he starts the series off which is it's a it's a farm with a it's a drawing of 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 a farm with a well in the foreground and it and the narrator saying you could say it all started in arizona 25 years ago on a farm it was an ordinary sort of farm in arizona the kind of place where you'd have sexual relations with your parents and end up shooting someone and and like think about that like that is a that is an intriguing pitch to intro something like that could be the start of an episode of fargo right or like the or or some kind of show where you're going to get pulled into this narrative and then the following page is this is is a bit of an action sequence where this white blondish haired woman is running away from a monster and saying stay away and there's further narration um, and, and that's that. That's that. And then, and then you turn the page, and you are, you are pulled into what you just got to, which is Michael and about his relatively mundane life and his history. And it seems very non sequitur. You're like, well, what the fuck? Like, right. what does any of this have to do with it? And 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 I think I don't want to speak for you two, but I took a lot of those opening pages at first as being metaphorical, like like okay, there's this is a metaphor, like this is a story. That's going to have reference, but but I didn't think that there really was a woman running away from a deformed man, and that there was, you know, that the well was a real thing. Like none of that. I just kind of put it in the back, like, okay, this is going to be important. They're starting the book this way, but we won't find out why it's important for some time. Uh, but I just thought that that was that was fascinating. And then, well, I they, wanted to stop you on the, ahead, yeah. They they're both. Those, sure. Yes. Those, those events. Right, but, Right. Yeah, they are very metaphorical, especially the well and the thing that's in the well. Very, extremely metaphorical. But uh, the reason why I didn't bring it up was it doesn't pay off um, in the first issue. I mean, you could state the obvious like you did, but... Yeah, but like, but the fact that... The, but but again, the, con- the be- one of the beauties of this book is how all of these things seemingly aren't connected and they do connect at the end. Right. And the fact that he starts the story out with, those, with that scene... It, inherently speaks to the significance of it right like he he wants you he wants that to be in your head before he starts getting to the to the narrative that we that we kind of just laid out right well, and i also will say and the reason i i stopped you when you did is because the scene where the girlfriend where sandra is sitting in the hospital room with him for the one final night um i put a post-it uh because as she's kind of thinking to herself about him being uh on life support just some of the things she's thinking to herself. I was like, damn, that is great stuff. Like she says, the truth is she's never really liked him as much as she likes him now, now that he's crippled and almost dead. And I thought, damn, like that is a hard, hard worldview, right? Like, like, and true, like completely true in the moment. But I'm like, that is fucking, that is like adult thinking right there. Like, like that, you know, when like to the idea that you could, (laughs) that you could find someone most appealing when they're at their, like essentially end is, is just a really deeply grim worldview that I think you have to have gone through some shit in your life to appreciate. Right. Like, like to, to appreciate those words, you have to have had some experience in your life where you have had your own journey with a person and come out the other side. And I thought, damn, like that is that is some choice words. And I just was like really taken by by that that inner monologue of hers. Well, she's completely self serving. Yeah, uh, I sure, mean, so sure. so she has sex with with Michael every Tuesday, but it's not enough for her. 
So mm-hmm. she's she's uh, hitting the skins with Joe. Um, and then she she asks the doctor if she can have one more night with him. Like she didn't care if she had one more night with him under normal circumstances. But now that, you know, they're going to pull the plug, oh, just give me one more night. It, it It's completely done to to as a as a, a, a salve over any kind of um it, it's propriety it's what that mm-hmm. she it's the thing that she thinks others would demand that she do right mm-hmm. well you're his girlfriend don't you think you should be there when you know at least have one like it it, it she's again she's disconnected from the fact that that this is her boyfriend she just yeah. wants to do what she thinks th- you know, society dictates or society would find appropriate in this situation. Not that it dictates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just barely because there we've read other stories where the significant other was just completely nonplussed and didn't care whether the person um, lived or died. But, and, and like you said, Vince, she is selfish. It's self-serving because when Michael's attitude changes, all of a sudden she see something in him that uh, she wasn't attracted to or interested in earlier. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very true. But uh, I, I think it was, um, again, very, very cunning on Milligan's part to introduce the book with the event that around which everything revolves. We'll, we'll get to it, but the thing with the well and the woman and the monster chasing her that has tendrils in every single event in this this series absolutely yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's a lizard on the in the final page the final uh panel mm-hmm. of those two pages that open the book there is a lizard on the edge of the well um but you know, uh, what color is the lizard red and what color is its shadow green yeah it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's great. And, and here's, I don't know if you, because I don't know what Backmatter you've read or haven't read. Duncan Fagredo is colorblind. He can't see red and green. Well, good thing that Ms. Von Valkenberg. Yeah, no, what I'm saying, color. isn't that interesting that red and green play such a pivotal role in this book and he can't see but the difference? He's, he did the paintings for the covers. How the hell can he not see red and green? Well, you can. I mean, you can. You can read a paint label that says it's green or red, right? Like you. Yeah, but what flavor of green? What? What? There are yeah. many greens. There are many reds. Like I, I don't. I, I assume as an artist with color blindness, you have to train yourself some kind of mechanism, right, to, well, to work through it. Yeah, you it's can, like a, it's like a chef who loses their sense of taste. You 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 make do, but it's it's hard. Yeah, well, you can kind of get the 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 chroma and the temperature and the you know from the the gray that I'm assuming he sees. Right. I mean, if you see a dark gray, you know that uh, it's going to be a, like a dark green. So I'm, I'm guessing he just his perception is based on the intensity or lack thereof of the gray. So I don't know. Uh, that's mystifying that he can paint the, the way he does. Being It's neat, right? It's yeah. neat. And, and also that green and red are such pivotal colors in this book, particularly in those. And he just he can't discern them. So. Right. Right. Uh, in terms of the art. Uh, one can see the artistic progression of Fagredo. I mean, he's no slouch in the first issue. Uh, he's doing his best Sienkiewicz impersonation. 
And that's cool. I mean, he does it very well. He retains his own, uh, you know, graphic identity as well as bandying those things that made Sienkiewicz Sienkiewicz. But um, it's very subtle. But by the eighth issue, you see Figredo grow exponentially through this series. Yeah. The the last issue is just, and then is amazing. And then he, he seemed to be... Duncan Fregredo at the end of this and then went mm-hmm. on to do the stuff, you know, the Hellboy stuff that he did so well. And uh, I've I've always really loved and admired Fregredo's work, but uh, I, I think he's a virtuoso um, today. Do, do I think that with the first issue? I think the first issue is really visually it's, it's very um, – you, you, there's an adeptness behind the line, but I don't think it – there's no mastery in it. Um, you do see a mastery emerge as the series goes on. Uh, mm. And again, to say, you know, it's low level for Grado. Low level for Grado is better than most guys out there, right? But that that entity that is Duncan, all caps for Grado, uh, that morphs somewhere mid series and then comes out full blown at the end. I think. I think it's a journey. I really do. I have um, I have the Kid Eternity trade that that Morrison wrote that that he drew. I picked that up last year at at, at the used bookstore. But I think thinking about it, I'm pretty sure the first time I bought anything that uh, that he drew uh, was Ferroni. It was um, the Jay and Silent Bob miniseries. And that's and I mean that's that that that's later in the nineties. That's that's the late nineties, so it was after this, but that's that's pretty much I think the first time that I can recall buying something where I saw his name. Obviously he did a few things before that, but that's that's I think my first introduction to the artist. Right. Um so well, he, the, he actually, that's early he, for Grado. Yeah, he attorney. speaks to um he speaks to this uh in the in in the back of, of the definitive edition. Um and and essentially the funny thing about it is to Vince's point, like it is an evolution. And he notes that for a period of time he would go uh, on co- to conventions and, or read reviews of, of Enigma. And it would talk about what a masterstroke of artistry it was that he went from this very impressionistic, scratchy, uh, you know, frenetic style in the early issues to this much more confident, polished style by, the final issue as a way to illustrate Michael's uh, increasing comfort and awareness of his own reality. And he, he was like, it, he's like, I've read that so many times in the last 20 years about this book and it's total bullshit. Uh, basically what it was is he, he had done kid eternity and he painted it 150 pages. And he said by his own admission, he had forgotten how to draw pen, pen and ink uh, pencil and ink. He just didn't, he didn't remember the structure of how to do it. He had very little confidence in it, and uh, and what we see in this book is more to Vince's point that it's just him getting comfortable with the actual tools with which he was using to to make the story. So it was it was much more about the form and getting his muscles of illustration back than any kind of like conscious 
narrative choice uh, that, that like got kind of folklored into some kind of masterstroke of storytelling. Like it's it's just a matter of getting confident drawing that way. Well, so. right. I mean, from the the horse's mouth, he says it's bullshit. But I, I, I mean, the universe had other plans for him. I think. Where <laughs> I, I mean, yes, conceptually, it does fit within what Milligan that framework that Milligan was working with. It fits perfectly with that. And I don't. Who's to say? that um maybe it wasn't intentional well it wasn't intentional on Fagredo's part but i think there are other things at play in this in this uh piece of art eh. yeah i mean he, he i'll just read quickly he says uh, i'd forgotten how to draw in black and white so essentially this is an explanation of why the front end and the back end of the dromedary horse we call enigma are mismatched hindsight makes it clear to me i was trying to paint with hard line imagine all those nervous searching lines rendered as sweeps of a brush and acrylic wash and you can see where my head was at so yeah and then yeah. he says that basically the beautiful painterly color of Sherilyn van walkenberg uh allowed him to uh to get comfortable with how he had to render it because she could finish things off so see german the german language is weird so you don't say the van with the w but you say the walkenberg with the w like it's it's just it's just <laughs> odd it's just weird, but anyway, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but to, to Look at me reading back matter and bringing it to this. See, you know how, how yeah, much see, I love this. I love this book because right. That's what I was just going to say. You do it yeah. when when the work demands it. Uh, yeah. But yeah. You, you, another one that's full of shit. But um, it's, <laughs> more more to Dap's point. Uh, I totally agree about the Jay and Silent Bob issues that that Figredo drew. They are it, the detail that he yeah plowed into that work is ridiculous you know when art adams does the cover and you're like oh, okay cool and then you open the book and you're like whoa when you can out whoa art adams i think you've yeah. done something right you've definitely done something yeah those issues are great um i i have a nice collection of, of very early oni stuff i mean they connected a, a lot like like Vertigo, they connected a lot more than they missed, and I those uh, Jane Silent Bob issues I will never get. And I'm not a huge Kevin Smith fan. I know it's it's the the visuals of those issues that are just amazing. Like yeah. yo, all right. Um, so yes, and Shade the Changing Man, which is a landmark uh, series uh, in itself. But let's get back to the story, and please. I mean, I'm just doing relative surface level. I mean, if you guys wanna wanna say yes, this is the part when a uh, boom and 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 let it go. So uh, now we're 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 into issue two, um, and uh, so the the head has been uh, destroyed by this Enigma character, and Michael is on life support, and and oop, when you know, uh, he he springs. Uh, to life at one point, exclaiming something about the enigma, and 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 it, 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 the enigma's in the spare bedroom, and then he collapses because the man the man's been through an ordeal, and and has recently revived, and it, you know it took its toll. But but while this is going on, another serial killer emerges into Pacific City. My favorite in this entire book. A uh, character that would be working overtime. He would have to take young wards if he was ever in operation today. With the amount of bullshit that's out there and lies, this character would be working. Or he could get 
billions of people like he could get to kill billions of people at once through 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 social media right <laughs> oh true yeah just release a video on youtube well who mm -hmm. knows if his power works through i would hope that it would because we need mm -hmm. the truth right now that's the name of the character the truth and uh conceptually i love this character because uh he 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 emerges into a restaurant uh very uh cunningly called the grapes of wrath and and uh so the truth See, so i'm saying like everything milligan did was like oh that's great like it wasn't just like let me randomly name a restaurant like Chef no it, yeah it could have been like knows. yeah bibbo's bistro but um <laughs> the truth speaks and when the truth speaks the truth kills this is a a, a baddie that confronts his victims with the lies that is their lives and in 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 being awash with all of the deceit and the just plain falsehoods of their existence, uh, the reality of their lives, they wither away to nothing. They crumble in the presence of the truth. Uh, they look like they have been, they've had all the water sucked out of them and they've been in the desert sun for 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 months they they're all just desiccated and and really gross looking um i i, and I love i love the intro again like the wordplay is just just has me sprung where the truth is 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 making his soliloquy to the to the restaurateurs and he says lies and half truths and deceits our society is built upon them our churches and schools and politicians deal in them because it's like, yeah, they certainly do. But like you said, and and certainly this was written in the '90s, and I'm sure this has always been the case. But to Dap's point at the beginning, uh, in 1993 when this came out, I was a freshman in college, so I think I would have read some of these things and maybe taken them at face value, but not felt them. Like I don't think 19-year-old me would have felt that statement was accurate. True. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that but, is the truth. Yeah. But forty-seven year old me is like, oh damn, straight church preach on, you know, like like yeah. like you're you 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 you're saying it. You know? They're all bullshit. Everybody's it's all bullshit. All so, of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Both uh, sides, all sides, yeah. 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 Uh yeah. but here's the weird part. Uh in the first issue, Michael is sent to uh, service the phone systems of, of an actor. Uh, his name's Victor Lamont. And, uh, you know, the guy's aloof and, and has a lot of money and he's messy and, and he's, he's walking around. Michael's walking around his apartment and, and the guy's just like so full of himself. He, he's a snooty bitch. And um, so, so, you know, we see this actor in the beginning you're just like okay but something happens to michael uh and, and we're not it's not very clear what michael experiences um towards the end of his stay in the lamont uh flat but anyway so the forensics determine that the truth's fingerprints uh are the same as victor lamont's this this actor because victor was brought in on i think uh sexual assault or or, or aggravated assault some kind of you know low level um charge uh, but he needed to be fingerprinted because he was arrested and they're like wait a minute this this serial killer is victor lamont what it, it doesn't make any sense um 
so uh, Michael springs back to life, and he's he's saying that the tr- the enigma is in this ratty suitcase uh, back home, and the home is 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 a shambles. It's dilapidated because of the earthquake. Uh, the Pacific City had an earth- earthquake at one point, and that was the demise of of uh, Michael's dad. And again, to Jason's point, early early in the series, we see this character. And he's surrounded by pop culture stuff, and, and it's a shambles. And there's a character, there's a, a, a skeleton, sitting in a, in a rocking chair. And you're like, what the fuck is this? I don't understand this at all. But you only see the skeleton from the back of the, the skull. You don't really, it's not very well delineated or very specific. But we're shown the interior of Michael's house in the first issue. But it doesn't make any sense to us because we don't have any context right that's in issue two the light bulb goes off and you're like wait what so michael sends sandra back to the house go get that suitcase hurry up uh and and inside the suitcase among other things were comics three of which uh because the series only ran for three issues features a character called the enigma and it's in the comic, it's the character that's running around Pacific City, fighting the truth and the head. Just you know, the, so art imitates life, or life imitates art in this case. Uh, but Michael's aghast because at the end of the comic, the third issue, the truth kills the enigma, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute." So, am I to believe that I'm? creating this character who's running around in the real world based on what i read as a kid do am i the the nexus of all this cosmic chicanery going on like what is happening and i mean as a reader you don't really know either because um while it is put on the table it's never uh delineated exactly what's going at this point in the series anyway exactly what's going on um and so the truth confronts the enigma and it kind of doesn't go all that well for enigma even though he's massively powerful the truth gets to jump on him and then you know we're shown that panel from the the last panel of the enigma comic where the truth is is uh, apparently um dead and 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 well, the, the enigma's dead, and the the truth is laughing. And I love the Kirby esque circles and um, line work on the arms and the legs of the truth. I mean, thanks, Jack. But um, <laughs> you know, bit bit of a, a cliffhanger, and uh, it, it it was not lost on me that the uh, so at this point, Michael has left the emergency room he's 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 put his clothes on he heads out into the world he's like i gotta get out there because this is all on me i i'm the one responsible for this i i made this happen i gotta go i gotta find this enigma uh the the truth holds up in a church that conceptually that is the absolute pinnacle of this series for me um let's cut to the chase the the enigma eventually takes out the truth. The truth dies in a church. That's the, yep. that's the best. 
that that dude, and, and, and again it's like the words turn me on like like the the opening page of that issue issue three uh we're on the outside looking into the church the church is on fire there's helicopters police is everywhere and it and it says it, it like i i just I, I read these words and i think i i couldn't write this like it it's so beautiful and i couldn't write it and he says it's like the book of revelations but funnier it's like the last trumpet but hopelessly out of tune that's ridiculously like bringing those two thoughts together is absurd in my opinion and great then he says it's like the perennial battle between good and evil but no one can quite work out which is which anymore and most people don't even know what perennial means i felt like he was speaking to me directly into my cerebellum because that's how i think of the world like i i have i am often very as you know i can tend to be very uh dismissive of the general populace as being imbecilic and i thought oh my god peter milligan sees the world the same way i do like 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 the opiate of the masses works because most of the masses are incapable of not being affected by the opiate i loved it it's true I Thank was like, you. "Oh my god, this guy is brilliant!" <laughs> like, tell, yeah. give me more, please. Uh, but um, there's something really um, disconcerting about this scene because Michael's watching the events unfold in the church, and someone, Michael says, "My God," as he's as he's watching this this uh, cataclysmic event in in front of them, and someone walks up behind him. And says, um, yeah, I told you, you know, if you'll remember, I'm paraphrasing, um, that there is no God. And and as a reader, you're wondering, who the fuck is this guy? Right, yeah. Did I, we hadn't seen this person before, right? Did I miss something going mm-hmm. back? Like, I, I had, I went back um, initially, I, I pulled the other issues out. I'm like, who is this guy? Was it, uh, but you, he wasn't in the book. Uh, All you got to do is read the next panel. Right, he, but but seriously, I mean, I really did appreciate how um, where 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 the issue kicks off. We're thrown into this, or we're 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 watching this happen, and it's like, oh, but yeah, you might need a second to catch up to why we're here. So let's, but no, I'm I'm with you, yeah, because the guy, because at the bottom of the first, the bottom of the second page, he comes up to Michael, and then yeah, you turn the page. And you're both watching it go up, but then, and that's the first panel, and then, as as the narrator Wink is uh, is trying to find out, trying trying to clue the reader in that you know, well, who who is this guy? We don't. So so at least at least the storyteller is also on the same page huh, as as the reader. So you're mm-hmm. all kind of uh, right. Well, at that point. You know, I'm done. Like if I if a character walks onto the panel and I'm like I don't know who that is, I will stop. I won't. I won't go any further. <laughs> and I'll be like, guess. wait a minute, did I'm I overlook sorry. something? I inevitably I think it's my deficiency. I miss, I must have missed something. So I go back and review the the material and and hopefully find what I missed. But in this case, it's not there. <laughs> right. Um, well, and, and to Dap's point, at least fortunately, if you did turn the page at least to see before you were before you feel like you missed something, you, it 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 says who is this creature? Right, right. Let's go back a week and we'll show you. Yeah. And again, I I got to say the words just turn me on. In the next page, where they're going back a week, there is the choice of words here just mesmerizes me. He says, and then 
floating away before the truth can get its sharp and terrible veracities into him again. At no point ever before has that term been used in that way, and it's so fitting because the villain is named the truth. Like, using veracities as an instrument of death and harm is so wonderful. I can't even begin to tell you how much I love that. that, well, that why don't that you part. try? Try us. I just did. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it turns out that, that this man that told Michael a long time ago that there is no God is a dude by the name of Titus Bird, the man who actually wrote those three issues of the Enigma, uh, a man who's gay, and um, as the series progresses, Michael finds that that the reality of Titus Bird is far more mundane than the magical word weaver that Michael imagined him to be. Uh, Michael had a mental construct of uh, Titus Bird as this godlike creator who uh, basically, as with all of us, defined his formative years with words and concepts. And so um, Bird was revered and, and elevated to, like I said, uh, superhuman, almost godlike status by Michael. But the real Titus Bird, he's a bit of a mess. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. You know, he... he uh, There's a nice meta critique on the idea of the way we oh, glorify yeah. these creators, you know, the Alan, Alan Moore and, sure. and, and Grant. And, and I'm sure for some people, Peter, you know, I don't know that I've ever held Peter to that level, at least prior to reading this. Um, but I, I, at least in this moment where I'm caught up in the moment, I, I'm, I'm very much, my opinion of Peter is ever increasing. Not that I didn't already have a high opinion of him, but. He's, he is the man. He's very, very good. Um, but uh, Titus is is he's he's sloppy he likes to drink uh but more importantly he he plays into that that um real world realization that when when one meets the object of their artistic affection in most cases they're inevitably let down um whether you know they're they're not grandiose enough or they they don't fit the pattern that we've preordained them to have and and why would they because they're they're human beings but we as fans i mean this happens all the time you go up to somebody at a, at a convention and you're like Ugh. first time i met mignola he was just um he may have finished cosmic odyssey or may have still been working on Cos cosmic odyssey and i'm just like this guy is the shit i gotta meet him and uh, what I had hoped was we'd strike up a conversation and, you know, be the bros that I thought we were. And when I <laughs> when I got to his table, he was totally oblivious to me. And, you know, I slathered him with accolades and 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 he was just like, yeah, man, thanks. And <laughs> and and that was it. And, and I left the table with what would eventually who uh, who would eventually be my wife. And I was like, wow. <laughs> Uh, now I know what it's like to be adrift at sea because yeah. I, I just had the wind taken out of my sails, man. Uh, but that's the way life works. These people are, are just that. They're people. They're, they're not, um, you know, cosmic entities that are, are crafting these, you know, carefully crafting these, these tales. And that plays out in the book, too, where 
um, Titus is like, dude, I just did that for the money. It's just a bunch of bullshit. I just threw it together and, and hoped for the best. And, and yeah, I would have liked to have done a fourth issue. I had plans for it, but it didn't happen. And, you know, say la vie, that's the way it works. But, and Michael's like, <laughs> and even that gets pulled in at the end of this, right? Like even the idea of like stories end and they don't always end in any kind of grand fashion. Like right. The, sometimes you just you you get a window into a, a a story for a while, and then you and then you're out. Well, the I mean, the ending mirrors the ending of the physical Enigma comic mirrors the ending of the conceptual uh, right. narrative right. device that is the Enigma comic, in that it doesn't end. Yep. You, you're left dreaming, imagining what happened. I mean. There's really no clues either. There's somewhat of a clue, slight as it is, but you don't know. It could go horribly, horribly wrong at the end. It's just, but the 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 point of it is that it's a story, and it's being told by someone crucial to the the narrative, um, who who had um stock in in the events i i don't want to you know reveal it right now but uh i thought the end was masterful i remember when this book was coming out um the the, there was a vertigo click at the local comic shop and we would all (laughs) we would all get that stuff and you know you all thought you were so cool yeah yeah (laughs) and, and and i mean for the most part a good number of them also bought the superhero stuff but we would be like oh you know, new vertical book this week. Yeah. And we were all befuddled at the last issue. Like, what? Hello? Is there an issue nine? Like, what's happening here? But then as you as you uh, experience things in the world and you revisit the material, you're like, yeah, that's a perfect ending. And, and, and it, 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 the ending cannot be conceived by like you said someone who hasn't experienced some shit right you got to have a bunch of years under your belt to to have the the realization that this is the ending for this mm-hmm. right yeah yeah um so uh, the enigma retreats from uh the battle he doesn't die and um Michael heads out to find uh, the writer of the Enigma comic book when he was right there. Um, and he, he, on the way, he uh, he hits a gas station and reads the Enigma in a stall. He's taking a dump. And in this issue... Uh, By the way, you couldn't ha- ever pay me to take a dump. I, dude! Like that. I was like, are you out of your mind? Dude? I'm reading it, and I'm like... Wood would never set foot in this room. No way. <laughs> like, I would just as soon, like, get intestinal. I did. Or, or, like, I'd, I'd just as soon pull over to the woods and, and, and Dude, take I do that all the out. time. I swear to God. When when I read stuff and I'm, I'm just like, well, I would picture ourselves driving away from that restroom. Dap wouldn't have any shoelaces on because the damn <laughs> – his, his shoelace would have touched the floor. He would have thrown them away. Done. Yeah. Right? And it's weird. Uh, I love hate. Um, also, like he's he's taking a shit. And he's holding his comic. It's like oh, forever unclean. Like yeah, oh, I don't no. bring books into the bathroom. That's not a place for books. I no. know some people like to read on the new no, uh, 
no, thank you. Nah. Uh, nah, son. So he, Michael's reading this issue of the Enigma. Although I do, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> I'm, you look at it, and, and of course we're looking from the top down, and he's, I, his, his pants aren't pulled down. It's like, all it's saying is that he's just sitting on the toilet. It does look like his pants are up because you can see through down into the toilet. I'm not trying to dissect right, this, but this particular panel. But dude, it, there's shit it, on the I, walls. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, no. The fucking place is a mess. Yeah, I still wouldn't <laughs> sit in there, even with my fucking pants on. It's still, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think he's actually taking a dump at the moment. Well, maybe it's post-dump. Maybe. You never know. Maybe I mean, why would you go into a stall to sit? He could have sat in the car. He wants, he wants that privacy. Yeah. <laughs> but in this issue of yes. of uh, The Enigma is a character called Envelope Girl. I and love her. I love the concept of this character. Yeah, I want to read why. more into it. Well, maybe I should based on the other things within the narrative. But when I think of Envelope... And the fact that it's female, I think of parts of the female anatomy that wrap around, right? I'm sure that, that well, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing that that is part of the concept of this character in, in that, here's the hook. She, uh, Envelope Girl is a fashion model, and she's wearing a male-themed costume. It's manila, and it has giant stamps on it. Uh, but within the folds of, of the, I don't want to say costume, um, it, because she's a high fashion model. So it, it, it's a dress that within the folds of it, things happen, right? It, it, but in the real world, um, a European model named Victoria Yes follows this exact same formula. She transforms into Envelope Girl. And, and her designer, uh, what was his name, William Williams perfect um he he gets a little close to her and he sucked into the folds of her dress it's kind of like cloak a little bit where yeah, exactly yeah. that's a, it, it reminded me of cloak yeah. yeah so so he's pulled into the fab the the, the folds the dark recesses of the fo- fabric and later on uh, michael's driving down the road with a a hitchhiker he picked up named Saturn. <laughs> okay. Love it. Uh, yeah. See, that's, but that's a character bit, right? Michael had the same woman for a good amount of years, had sex on a certain day. And here he's, he's a bit, he's out in a sense where he's, he's dismissing or, or discarding that old, to a sense, to, to, to a certain extent, he's discarding that old Michael the Michael that was, and he's just like, he's a little more impulsive now and a little more hard to peg, right? Because he picks up a hitchhiker and he ends up having sex with her. And he's like, okay, this is cool. I didn't even make her brush her teeth before she got yeah. into bed. Like, oh. Yeah. And um, so, so so they're driving down the road and there's a, a, a parcel in the middle of the, the road. And Michael's like, okay, so they get out and they open the parcel and it's William Williams. So there's a there's a, a a transporter like function with her her gown in that that which enters the, the dark nooks and crannies of of her dress is is wrapped up in a box and moved to another location. That's not exactly uh, a nasty supervillain power. It's kind of um, more of an aggravation, 
right? You feel, yeah, yeah. You know, almost, you, yeah. you find yourself in, in New York City, and then all of a sudden you're in Podunk, right? Like, what? Um, so Michael, as I said, he, he has sex with Saturn, and she robs him. But um, uh, I got a little ahead of myself. and in, fa- in fact, I didn't quite get the events right. Michael, uh, the truth, or the enigma doesn't kill the truth initially. Um, that, that happens, um, later, but, um, so Michael's on the, on the hunt for Titus Bird and everything I said, uh, goes down where he doesn't meet Michael's expectations. In fact, um, Titus being gay, very, very, very important scene in, in the book. Titus is gay and they're drinking and talking and, and, you know, talking about the comic and other things. And uh, Titus is like, hey, yeah, let, let, you know, let's let's go back to the room and we can, you know, you know. And he puts his hand on his leg, on Michael's leg. And Michael's like, and, and he punches him. Uh, instinctively just reacts. Boom! Punches him in, 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 and um, just gets the hell out of there. Um, very uncomfortable situation for Michael for a number of reasons. And... Um, so there's another bunch of uh, killers that that join the fray. This is the most Grant Morrison esque of the bunch, I think. Uh, the, these bad guys are called the Interior League, <laughs> and what they do is they will rearrange your furniture. <laughs> That's it. They rearrange your to the furniture. point where you get driven crazy, right? Because in rearranging right. it's like feng shui, uh, re- like turned into evil. Yes, yes. The, in rearranging your furniture, they're in a sense rearranging your brain. Um, the the norms, the things that you expect, because the chair is always in the spot that the chair is in, and the couch is always in the spot. By rearranging the the norm. They push you into this incredibly uncomfortable, and in this case, life-threatening uh, mental state, where they rearrange this guy as John Cade. They rearrange his furniture, and he eventually beheads his wife because of it, and <laughs> he kills himself with a sharpened end of a uh, leg of a coffee table. Like, okay, uh see the and you're wondering um i don't want to um typecast or um resort to clichés but uh the the uh things at the core of this so far um the arts play into the concept uh, I don't think that's that's cliche to say that 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 the arts um, are more. See, I'm I'm entering weird territory. I don't want to say this type of sexual orientation prefers this kind of stuff because that's not universally true, right? But yeah. it, in terms of the general public, art, fashion, interior design, there are there um, are those. Um, Endeavors, those artistic endeavors, are more likely to attract a certain kind of 
of person than others. Is that fair to say that? Like, I don't want to say, hey, gay well, guys love interior design. And especially they, at this point in... in in the nineties, I think it right. might be a little bit more. But I don't. Uh, I don't think it's. I, I don't think I'm being um, uh, outside the, the 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 realm of of politeness in saying that gay men are attracted to fashion and interior design and and stuff like like more so then that was the conception, but not so much right. now. But right. like the arts it's an easy association to make whether it's whether it's intentional or not i can definitely see why you would you, you would lean in that direction well i mean i'm 56 growing up damn you old growing up if if um someone you know a friend or someone in the family embarked on a career in the theater inevitably italian family someone would say is he yep. a sw- is he a swish? Right. Is there, he gay? There were, right. There were there were stereotypes. Right. A, a male hairdresser. A, a male, sure. A, a male professional dancer. Uh, to your point, a, a, a male fashion designer. Right. The 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 common perception would be oh, exactly uh, they may be gay. Right? right. Like whether that was true or not. And and right. and and I think that certainly some of those modalities and perceptions are changing, particularly with like our kids' generation. Thank you know, um, but 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 certainly when this was written in in, in our generation, yes, I, I think these were things that were. Um, I mean, stereotypically is is a word because it was a stereotype. I, but I I don't as with many stereotypes, I don't think it was necessarily a completely unfounded one. That's often my stereotype. Like, that's exactly yes. what I'm trying to say. Right, with, right. Without being hurtful or hateful, I'm in the arts, right? I mean, it, you know, um, sure. But like to your point, like I know this is, but like. My mo- this is a weird memory, but my mother had a, you know, a hairdresser, right? That that did her hair. It was a dude, and I remember, like, vividly remember a conversation at the dinner table about how baffled my mother and stepfather were that he wasn't gay, right? And, <laughs> right. and, and, and it and, was like he's not even gay, and it's like, like, because it was like, oh wow, that's shocking, like that a male hairdresser wouldn't be gay, right? Yeah, right. And it was amazing to me that um, in, in pop culture the the producers of such took steps in the 70s to play against that stereotype like with Warren Beatty and shampoo right, right. or or John Ritter in Three's Company like they they set it sure. up where oh this you know he's got to be gay if he's going to be living with two beautiful women but he wasn't but that was the facade and and I think that the 70s in, in terms of of TV and film they did a lot to dispel or try to dispel those kind of, of stereotypes. So, great. Um, but they persist, right? I mean, I have people in my family who who went into the theater or or into uh, interior design. And, and unfortunately, uh, for the, the perpetuation of the stereotype, they were gay. Right. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It, it, and and this is this is to say because this is you know it's interesting when I'm thinking about the totality of this book and where we're going with this discussion. Um, to those listening that maybe haven't read the book, sexuality, sexual identity, and sexual awakening are a massive part of the story. But very little you've heard us talk about three and a half issues into an eight issue series would lead you to know that yet. Like the the only real. And, and and the idea of, of of homosexuality is only dealt with up to the point that we've discussed so far in the scene that Vince says where uh, where Michael and uh, uh, Victor are chatting and Victor 
I guess, reads the signals wrong or so he thinks and says, let's go back to my room. And, and Michael reacts violently because he's angry that Victor would even assume he was gay. And that's really the only window into this, ultimately, what I think is like a central theme of the book is dealt with almost halfway through the book. Right, but that's the icebreaker. Once that scene happens, all no, bets no, right, are off. I'm saying, but like, after you read that scene, you're not you're not thinking that this book is about sexual identity and 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 coming out. Like that's I, not what you're. I don't know. I, um, th- that is the most explicit clue that the book may be about something other than it purports to be. But I think the design of the Enigma very theatrical. Very bon vivant, oh, right? For sure. He's oh, yeah. he's extremely handsome, um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, right in the Phantom of the Opera, that plays into the concept as well, too. That to the exterior or to the average eye, the Phantom of the Opera looked like an a, 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 just a dude in a mask. Once that mask comes off, there's a different reality coming out from underneath, right? But no, I think I think the flamboyant air of the the enigma i had i had guesses going in but i i mean it, and because not only was it uh the visuals but it was vertigo if anybody was going to confront those topics it would be vertigo like you would never see this story at marvel there wasn't a form for it to begin with it, this wouldn't fit into epic this it wouldn't just wouldn't have worked right mm-hmm. um but but yeah i, I had my suspicions but um, I, see, up to this point, I was a little reluctant to do a, a play by play by play because I don't think that's the way this book works. I mean, yes, that's the way it's presented, but in in detailing the events to someone who hasn't experienced the book, I think saying, "Oh yeah," and then he fights this thing that sucks people like that's great, and and it would get something get a person involved in in pursuing this book. But I don't think. I don't know. I I, I don't think I think the book is much bigger than than all this, and and maybe we should switch gears. It now. is, it is. But I would say that 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 one of the reasons I think it is a masterpiece, and and I do think it's. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm about to mention Watchmen. I'm not saying oh this is as good as Watchmen. That's you know I think Watchmen's the greatest comic ever, but I think the structure of why Watchmen is the greatest comic ever is at play here too, which oh, is sure. to say yeah. that. And the shocking thing is, as you're reading this, this very much does feel like a fever dream with a lot of symbolism and metaphor. But we come to find out that, like, you can't it, it on on as a linear literal story. It is that it is a linear literal story that happens. But obviously, there's so much more to it as well, right? And like that's I think so difficult to pull off. Right. Yeah. So I, let, let let's let's tackle the big concepts. Of this sure. book, so Jason. And, and, well, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Jason yeah. said that the the book opens uh, with the well and a woman being pursued by a monster, and a terrible, terrible event happened around this well. The way it played out was that the baby there was a baby involved. If uh, I mean, we didn't mention it, and they don't really mention it much in the first issue if at all but later on we find out that um the the man was transformed uh into this grotesque monster by the baby and the mother after killing 
the husband. She took a shotgun to his face. Shoots him in the face. I think she she what she 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 fired twelve, thirteen times or whatever. And mm-hmm. so she totally obliterated his face. She takes the baby and throws it down the well, pitches it into the well, and the baby doesn't die because the baby's powerful. Baby's got baby's got mojo, and um, in order to subsist to survive in the bottom of the well the the child begins to consume lizards and it um, says you do and 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 um that's where the whole lizard part of where the lizard angle comes from but the the child in the well is the the enigma the man that is the enigma that's the the baby that was born in the well and and then um from the well he goes to michael's um blasted out home and encounters the enigma comics uh an extremely smart um uh, to the way far more than than the average human like the 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 brain power of this this man is is off the scale and he just does things to occupy his time um some of them i don't remember specifically but he one of them i did because it's so outrageous he recites the dictionary backwards from memory yeah that's crazy well and 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 as as you as this is being described to me it says that he not only eats the lizards but he mutates them right he changes with them he, he uses them for entertainment sometimes killing them sometimes playing with them changes them and and again as you're first hearing this you're like wait is this like what is this a metaphor for? Like, wait, what do you mean? Like, mm. like, like, like a baby's playing with lizards? Like, what? Um, and, and then it's, I, I, for me, it was later in the story when you're like, oh no, it's, it's actually like, uh, like, because this is comics. It's like, oh no, it's like a super being. It's a, it's a godlike, beyonder level right. type of being who is so powerful that as a baby is able to basically stay alive, self-sustain, and create this own existence in this well rather than just die as ninety nine point nine nine percent of any baby thrown down a well would have done so it's like really is living with lizards it really is like it's life really is that and it's like it isn't a metaphor it's actually what happened well it is is a it is a metaphor no but i mean but like but it also happened like this being that we see as the enabler really is a corporeal super being who grew up in a well like literally grew up in a well with lizards as its friends like that that actually is what we're supposed to understand has happened it wasn't it wasn't like you know an interpretation of some other plane of existence that looks that way. Like that's actually what happened. And that's crazy. Like crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. I tell crazy. you, but, but as, as, as we said, the, the, the series is a, uh, it's, it's like, a uh, what's that flower? Uh, damn it. I'm trying to think of, um, not a chrysanthemum, maybe a chrysanthemum. It, it's it's an opening of sexual realization on the on the part of the title character Michael, um, trying to come to terms with the fact that what he knew, what he I think he always knew was that he was he was gay, but never embraced it because he thought it was wrong or or for whatever reason, and the the things that play out in the story all reinforce the concept of Michael coming, embracing, coming to terms with the fact that yes, he's gay. Um, and the Enigma plays a crucial part in it, that, that man that Michael dreamt of, 
his entire life. Not because, well, partly because he encountered him in a comic book very early in his development, but that's important, but it's more important that the Enigma is a man where Michael would dream of the Enigma and fantasize about the Enigma and later encounters him in the real world. And once he 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 sees this being in flesh and blood, that triggers the feelings that he had. And he can't, initially, they're repressed, obviously. Um, and he's got to try and dredge them up and piece things together. Why am I feeling this way? What about what about the, this interior league is... is um, familiar to me this pattern that this one character wears and and the 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 you know the flowing locks of the enigma where have i seen that before like other than the comic like what is happening here um and there are many things that that milligan does to reinforce this concept of embracing your sexuality whatever it may be um whether it follows societal guidelines or not um the fact that titus has uh, a bunch of followers called the enigmatics <laughs> and they hang on his every word he's their prophet um and it's said in the narrative that there's there's a a, a um a, a a dialogue between two characters in the enigma comic where where one character is, is trying to delineate how he sees his life progressing and all the enigma can say is and then what like the character says, well, I'm going to do this, and then this is going to happen, and then hopefully this will happen. And at every instance, the Enigma says, and then what? And then what? And then at the end, the Enigma looks at him and says, you know what? If I was as pathetic as you, I swear I would kill myself. And in the comic, well, that is in the Enigma comic that's used within the comic. In the eight-issue Enigma series written by Peter Milligan, these enigmatics all commit suicide. Yeah, because, mass suicide. Because of that sequence in the book where the Enigma says, well, I would kill, I would just kill myself. But the fact that these characters kill themselves in the narrative spoke to me on a different level because I have known or, or at least been tangentially uh, connected to people who have taken their own life because they couldn't come to terms with their sexuality. Mm-hmm. And and I think you know as a metaphor, you read the book and it's like okay that that's a rock solid reason why these characters would kill themselves because their prophet in a sense told them to through this enigma character. But if the enigma is a metaphor for sexual awakening, and you have characters killing themselves because of the person that created this sexual awakening. That that just says far more than what it does on the page to me, anyway. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I get, there there are reasons for everything in this book. Milligan's not just going to have these people kill themselves just to show the power that Titus Crow has over them, or or yeah, that's not. I don't think that's the main point. The main point is, look, this this struggle can end in death for some of these people. Just because, like Michael, they don't know how to approach it. They've been told for the entirety of their existences that this is wrong. It's an aberration. It goes against ugh, that. It goes against God, or it goes against society, or it's just it, it. It it goes against the human organism to do this. When in fact we know it doesn't. But 
Uh, and so the the way out for a lot of these people is to actually kill themselves. That's what I took that 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 scene to mean. Uh, did you guys see it that way, or? Hmm. Um. No, I I guess I don't. I didn't. I didn't. I mean, as what you're saying is very plausible. I didn't take the mass suicide necessarily as being purely about people killing themselves because of their sexual identity. I took it more about the fact, because they say that the enigmatics average age 19. Like I took it be more of a, of a statement on the, 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 the very tenuous uh, time that, that people of that age are, are in general. I mean, they have that, 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 you know, like, like the age of suicide is that, that age because, not just it's it's not it's not solely limited to dealing with sexuality it's that you just you don't have the mental maturity brain maturity or life experience to conceptualize and deal with stresses and worries Mm -hmm. that you just that you have to deal with and again it could be you know abuse it could be sexuality it could be money it could be you know yeah. uh, race it could be it, it could just be it just yeah. it just you feel overwhelmed at that age and that is why i think suicide you know it peaks at the teen years because it's you just don't have the capacity to deal with the anxiety and stress that you're trying to figure out about yourself right so i i mean i think like i definitely agree that's the point of it i just i didn't necessarily directly associate that particular aspect of the book with purely with about sexual identity and maybe it was maybe it wasn't i'm not saying you're wrong I, right I didn't, well I, I didn't i'm take that from it i'm not trying to cram it down your throat but they are sure. followers of a gay man who created yeah. a metaphor for but embracing but but the enigma in the comics isn't necessarily there's no there's no indication in the comics enigma is gay and did and do we know what do, do the fans there's no indication listen- in the comic book that enigma is gay but he has sex in, with in the Enigma comic. That in Titus. the three oh, comic. That, oh that no, wrote. no, of course not. But at no, the same point, at, in in that in that regard, um, you know, obviously Michael didn't know that Titus was gay, and I I I don't know if these nineteen year old enigmatics would know that the creator of Enigma is gay. So I don't know if if sexuality play it, it very well could. Um, I kind of I, I I saw those two panels, but I kind of it it it's a, I regret to say that as soon as uh, Charles Manson chimed in and Titus is like, oh great, so Manson's on my side, so you know I'm 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 batting a thousand. That's I I, I read that and that kind of that made me chuckle and it kind of probably shook off whatever message may have. Uh, may have been trying to be be applied um right. I, I don't i don't have to be right but no i understand no I, i'm just looking at the evidence it's an observation yeah yeah i mean yeah, no, if, no, no, if, no, if, no, if i'm following if i'm following the right you just asked us if we got the same thing right i did yeah right, it's did. neither here nor there for me but we all experience but, things in different ways but if you're following those bread i have a, a little post-it here on the balloon where it says Manson says he has read the Enigma and can find no hidden messages in it just because that, that was hysterical. I can totally see that happening in the night. Before, one of my abs- I took a picture of this panel. My absolute favorite scene up to, uh, up to that point happens in this particular issue where Sandra yells through the door, 
I love you, Michael. And he turns around and he says, I don't think you love me, Sandra. I think you just hate the idea of me not loving you. Of course. That yep. was fucking amazing. Yeah. And in her face, just she just turns pale white mm-hmm. and, and, and her mouth. So I, I that was a fantastic panel. I, I needed that. That exa- After all this shit, whether he knew it or not, but just the abuse that she gives to him again not that he knows this not that he knows that he's necessarily she's necessarily cheating on him but it's just that was that was exactly that's the kind of kneecapping i need to see done to people like sandra right and like i i kind of took it to be i mean honestly in terms of 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 because then in the in the subsequent scenes where um where they're they're flashing back to the to the to the three issue comic where where the the, the character is having the conversation with with Enigma, and he keeps saying, and then what? The character is basically explaining, like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get an awesome job, and I'm gonna make all this money, and I'm gonna buy this house, and I'm gonna buy this other thing, and and then Enigma saying, and then what? And then what? And and really, the conversation is about, at least in in the comic that they recap, it's about this 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 guy whose quest is for material wealth and success, and 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 the Enigma just seems like, and and then and then. And it's like to me that was more of a, especially because this came out in '93, a commentary on the go-go consumerism of the '80s that really drove us into a massive recession and really did shape that entire generation of Reaganomics and, and this idea of like conspicuous consumption. And 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 the the '90s Gen X was like you know the reason that Gen X is Gen X is because it was the first generation of people that 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 that, that came to adulthood believing they would be less prosperous than their parents. So I kind of took it to be a, and, and again we all we all bring our own histories to this. Like you said, you had friends who who ended their lives. Be, and for me, going to you know one of the if not the nation's best business school in that period of time to go into finance, coming out of the '80s, like I read this back and think like, man, this is such a critique on the gross consumerism and capitalistic drive that like fed our society for so long, because that's my baggage. Right, you know? but I I think that. The sequence is important for those reasons, but I think I think you're going deeper than you need to go. That character that's that's telling the Enigma what he plans to do is following the stepping stones that society would have dictated for success at that time. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Right. Yeah. So he's 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 just parroting. But the Enigma saying, and then and then like right, like and like, what's what the point? It? Like, so yeah. what, what's why why bother? What's why exactly what are you exactly? Yeah. So he's yeah. he he's he's miming these events that he thinks that will elevate him in terms of society. He's following yeah. a prescribed path when the Enigma stands for something that goes against all that. Right. Mm-hmm. The 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 Enigma is a representation of finding the way that applies to you not the way that applies to the bulk of humanity and and i think that's why that 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 scene is very important like the scene michael's having a dream after looking at titus's magazines he he actually so michael purports that he's not gay okay but he picked up one of titus's men's magazine well not men's magazines but magazines featuring men and in bondage gear, and he's looking through it, and he's Ugh. And, and and he has a dream of the enigma in the same garb as the dude on the front of the magazine, and he yeah. has he has a little a little um, happy ending to his dream. 
Mm-hmm. And wet dream. Well, it freaks remember them out. Dream, like, remember wet dreams were like like back in the eight. Like they talk about wet dreams. It's yeah, like, I remember in sex in sex ed class they they like part of it was wet dreams. And I'm yeah, like, I wish I would just do, dream. Not, not do people really. ha- like do people have wet dreams? Like, is that oh, a, you never had one? Never in my life. Really? I mean, I I I accepted that it must be real since it was part of sex ed, but oh, I never once had one. It's very real, dude. It is. Yes, it is. And more power to y'all. I, yeah. never, I guess I never. Uh, but I don't remember my dreams either. I very, I very rarely remember my dreams. So, in order to to blow back the the uh, lingering effects of of the dream, Michael heads out, and he he goes to a gay bar. Okay, but you're not gay, right? You're just, he's he's curious. I guess in some place, in, in some strata of his subconscious, he's curious. But he goes, he goes to a gay bar and he runs through it, right, uh, into the bathroom, and he's he's freaked out. Um, and and that's what we are told of the scene initially, right? But there's more to it because uh, you know he was pinched on the ass and ran into the the bathroom out of out of fear. But coming out of the bathroom some man catches his eye and michael eventually goes back to the room uh back to a room with 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 this man and is almost on the verge of of following through with his impulses and he gets he gets scared and he leaves um but he made the effort he 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 on some level realized the attraction um it felt natural i guess it felt right on some level that he actually embarked on the the endeavor to begin with like the fact that he just happened to find himself in a gay bar what um okay i don't think you just happened to find yourself anywhere but um again the 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 meat of the the book i think is that the um and it, it was a very, very astute on Milligan's part, especially in terms of the dialogue that goes on today, where if the me- if the the enigma itself is a metaphor for sexual identity and, and the realization of same, right? the The conceptual hook is extremely well conceived by Milligan because if you if you note, the enigma was with Michael from childhood. Right, it wasn't something. Totally. Yeah, it absolutely. wasn't something that he just made up when he was a teen, or or he discovered in in later years. The enigma was with him almost from birth. Yeah, and and it's it's and that's that's another example of how when you go back and read it all together, you think, damn, Milligan was like it was all there from the start, right? Like, there's a I remember there was a scene we skipped over it in our recap so far, but where. We see the moment when Michael's mother leaves him. You know, he's sitting there on a stand corner, and she's like, "All right, I'll be, I'll be back. I gotta, go, I gotta go do something." And then she's like, "You, you, you got any of your books with you?" And he's like, "Yeah, I got the Enigma." And she's like, "Oh, that's the one you've read hundreds of times. Don't you have anything new?" And he's like, "No, I love this one." So it's like he's read it hundreds of times. To your point, like it's only a three issue comic, which, as we know as comic nerds, and anyone reading this would know this. I mean, that, that that's a bust of a comic, right? That's not a success. If, if a comic only lasts three issues, it wasn't successful. But for him, it's his favorite. He's read it hundreds of times. It's stuck with him. He dreams about the character. So yeah, I mean, to your point, like like this had a much bigger impact on him as a kid than it should have, given that it was three issue comic book series. Right. But the point I'm trying to make in terms of 
the the kind of uh, altercations we have today, you know, whether uh, homosexuality is uh, a learned trait or whether you're born with it. This, the fact that Michael, the enigma was with Michael from childhood. I mean, some of his earliest perceptions are of the enigma. Lends me to believe that Milligan believes that homosexuality is something with which you are born, not something that you eventually grow into or 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 decide. Right? He he. The enigma touched him as a baby, as a child. He he was born with it. Yeah, there's. This is a good time to mention. There's some some context too because the scene where he walks into the bar is directly drawn from Milligan's real life experience. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mill- so Art Young was the editor for this book. He was Karen Berger's assistant of Vertigo and he moved up to become an editor. Art Young edits this book. He was the impetus for this book. Uh, Art Young is gay. Uh, Art Young came out roughly at the same time publicly. He came out roughly at the same time this book came out. And the impetus for that part of the story was literally Milligan met Art at a gay bar at Art's request so that Milligan could get a sense, try and get within the character of Michael and understand him better and had, you know, and, and so like that, it's all kind of reality meets the page type of thing. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but I bring it up because Art Young, who is the third leg of this stool of the story, I mean, he played a big role in crafting of the story, formulating it, and, and Milligan and Fagredo both acknowledge that and give Art a lot of credit for it. Art was a gay man coming to terms with his publicly with his sexuality at this exact same time. Yep. And and again, I said that the initial scene with the well is incredibly telling. Um, the work is dripping with metaphor. Look at the concept of a well. Where do we first encounter the enigma or the child that would eventually become an enigma? The enigma is a metaphor for sexual realization. Where do we encounter him? At the bottom of a well. He's submerged. He's buried. He's hidden. He's living in an entirely different world. He's of the world, but he's removed from it in a sense. And Later on in the book, when he's pulled into the light, when he's exposed, he's confused. He's afraid. The, the, the well was a prison of sorts. And then when he is brought into the light, when he makes the realization, metaphorically, when, when Michael makes the, the realization that I'm gay, he's exactly what the enigma was when he emerged from the well he's afraid he's shocked everything looks strange to him he's confused he's running around um that is is um, an amazing bit of writing on on milligan's part like that is not the product of somebody that just entered the game that is a seasoned deliberate maestro with concept uh, I, I can't say it any 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 differently. I just think that that is so telling in terms of the the struggle that that people have when trying to embrace something that the world has told them is dirty and wrong and verboten. It's just not right. There's something wrong with you. Let's just try and and cure you. We'll send you one of these camps. 
and they'll shock the shit out of you or the power of the Holy Spirit will purge you of this malady. It's nothing of that. It's just who you decide to love. And of course people are, are, are confused and bewildered and shocked because it's been hammered into the human organism for a long, long time that this is not the right way. Who's to say something about it? Because I get I get entirely uh, irate, uh, angered that 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 a group of people can dictate what is right and what is wrong for a single organism. It's it just doesn't make any sense to me. Why do they care? What bearing does it? I mean, we're getting into weird territory now, but yeah, what, and I, I honestly like it's. I don't even know it's a territory that that this book gets into. Honestly, I mean, in the sense, like I, 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 I like not not in that in that overt of a way. Like I, I don't like I don't know that Peter's trying to to help us work through why society judges homosexuality in a derogatory way. I I, I don't think that's. That's that's not really. I don't think that's the, the tone he's taking here. But no, this but it's more I, about a person's individual expression and 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 self journey. Ex- true. Yeah. But I think the fact that Michael is so reticent to embrace it is not his own doing. He just didn't decide. Uh, nah, I'm, I, this isn't the way I want to go. Society has decided that for him, and because of the way he's been, the way everyone has been has been exposed to these ideas that it's wrong why why else would he adamantly uh, vehemently and vocally say i'm not gay like he pro- makes a proclamation in the book when all signs point to the fact that yeah you y- are why would he be so vocal about it because he's been taught to be th- that 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 is not the way to do it that's not the way to yeah, live your life. I read a great, great review of this uh, by a by an LGBTQ um, writer who was talking about it, and uh, I highlighted it. it could, actually, about this passage, it says, uh, um, uh, "As the reader can see from the series opening and Michael's beginnings, his closeted life, he's bored and tired of sex with his girlfriend. But upon meeting Titus, who initially tries to make a pass at him." Michael immediately becomes enraged, vehemently rejecting Titus's advances and insisting that he's not queer. To any person who's grown up in the closet, this act of violent diversion is the most telling in knowing exactly how hard Michael does not want to admit his budding sexuality. Yep. It's a journey we've all been through. So, like, so, so yeah, I mean, obviously that's that's a very important part of that, uh, to your point, of, of, the, yeah. of the journey he's on. So. And there, there are, there's, I know, I I have friends at work. One of them is is gay. He was in a relationship before he married the maid he's with now. But he was in a relationship with somebody who was a little older than him, but had was married and and had grown children. So it's it's whether it's repression or 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 just you know a realization eventually. But there's a, Michael's reaction isn't isn't unusual. But um, but it's there are a lot of stories where you know there's men and women who finally just decided to be free and, and not live a lie anymore. And, and it's, but I guess leading up to that, depending on your age and experience, because again, Michael is in his twenties. It, it's you, it, you, you, you live your life a certain way and that's just the way it is and, and how you expect it to be. So that when, when you are 
confronted with someone that wants to go in the other direction, you're that that is that's the reaction is is the is the repulse repulsion. It, it's just that's it, it's. I don't want to say it's natural, but it is. It's it's kind of natural to, to for them to react that way, and 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 yeah, it's it is. It, it's that whole you know, don't protest too much. It's you you seem to be. It's 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 like when we find out about like you know a, a, a GOP senator who is is so you know pray the gay away, but you know he's closeted and and God knows what's going on at home. So it's it's well, not. He needs a visit it, from it, the truth. That's what he needs. Well, absolutely, but yeah. it's, it it was a very um, it it was one of the more realist moments in the book for me right. when 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 Titus did that. Well, yeah. again, after five plus decades on this planet, I have never figured out why anyone would take issue with the sexual partners of someone other than themselves. Oh my God, dude! Why dude, do you okay. care? No, I. Yeah, is, I, I, I don't like. I'm not trying to belittle that question, but like, I, I worry we're getting a bit off kilter here from celebrating this this story. Yeah, like we're going down a rabbit okay. hole of social commentary, which we've done a lot. Like, I think we're on record where we stand about all of this. I like, I like we've we've we haven't really talked about the book now for a good 15 minutes. All right. Like, well, so, one yeah. thing I want to say in terms of the the, the concept at, at the core of this book, I think the masterstroke of the book is. Um, for three, four, five issues, whatever, six issues, we're led to believe that Michael makes the enigma when, in fact, it, the opposite is true. Correct. The yeah, enigma exactly. yep. made Michael who he is and what he is. Yeah. And and that is beautiful. That that is that is the 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 sparkling diamond at the core of this book is in the fact that it's it speaks to me that. Michael didn't make, you know, a decision to be gay. It was there from the start, and he just had to realize it. Uh, the the thing he was made him who he is. Not he didn't make the thing that he was. That's just beautiful. I'm I'm done. Yeah, for sure. And and it's not just like it's the realization of the enigma because right in the beginning. Michael's worried, as we said, that he's somehow creating all of manifesting all of these characters, including the murderers from his mind. Then he meets, uh, then he meets, uh, Titus and, and, uh, and, and, and they're trying to figure out what's happening. And, and then like he, they come to the realization after the mass suicide that, uh, that what they should do is actually that there's someone walking around pretending to be the enigma and they should try and figure out who that is, um, and and like w- w- the scene that opens in, in issue number five when when you see the mass suicide and all the bodies spewed about, the narrator's talking and like the, and it's great because the narrator's like, uh, you know, there's all these bodies are getting moved away, and he said he said uh, <laughs> a simple comic led to all this, and he's like, do I sound detached and different? I'm not, believe me. I'll tell you a secret. I'm not a distant narrator, aloof from the action of the story. I'm part of the story. I'm a character. Don't worry. You'll understand everything by the end, possibly even before the end for now. But let's turn the volume up. And then he gets back to the story. And it's like, you know, you read that at first, like, oh, okay. Like, I wonder who the, but then, and then when you find out who the character is, you're like, oh my God, it's like, <laughs> it's great. Like, I, like just, just the, even those little bits and pieces, I think are great um, uh, in terms of the structure. And again, much like 
the Enigma creates Michael, the Enigma, as we as we certainly learn, it creates the narrator, right? Which so it's all very. I mean, the Enigma really is the the centrifuge for all of this creativity. Yep. Um, Drop dead, brilliant. If we want to pull back and talk about the book as a whole, uh, what what else is there to say that it's masterfully written and and uh, expertly delineated by uh, Fergredo? It it's a total package. Mm-hmm. Definitely, um, and and at some point, um, like the Enigma then goes on and fights the 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 the, the league and uh, and another creature manifests inside of a mental institution um which at first we don't know who the creature is but uh, obviously is is also inextricably linked to to the enigma um and um the uh at at one point um uh what's his name um i always say want to say victor but uh, titus titus is you know badly hurt and hospitalized um, and then you get like this really interesting little side note where Michael is walking out of the hospital and, uh, a blonde, uh, yeah. man walking by wearing a feeler shirt, like a muscle shirt. Telling, telling panel. Yeah. And, and, and it's like that, it's like that meme scene where the guy's turning in the, <laughs> the other, the other, the, the hot woman and his girlfriend's yeah. like, what the fuck? Like there's the scene that the for great over whereas Michael's walking out, like, like, deep in thought about his friend and what he should do to help solve this mystery. This, you know, blonde dude in a feeler shirt walks by and like, it just totally captures Michael's attention. And he just stops what he's thinking about and turns and stares at the guy. And it's like, you know, it's all there on the page, but it's subtle. Like it's, you know, there's no narrative there. It's nothing like, Oh, I think that guy's hot. It's just like, he's, he's captivated by this, this guy walking by him. thinks he's presumably good looking, you know? And it's, it's just a really well done little interstitial that, uh, that like just shows the care that they put into this book because because it you know panels like that don't necessarily aren't nece- aren't necessary for the for the message but but uh, but they're there nevertheless you know I yep. appreciate it. Um, and then and then at some point um, Michael has an interaction with um, with envelope uh, girl and she swallows him up and where does he end up at the well at the well yep the origin. And it's like, what's he doing at the well that we saw in the beginning of the, you know, and we've heard so much about. And sure enough, he ends up at the well and he sees a dude working on the house. And it turns out the dude's a cousin of the people that used to live there. And um, and it all starts to connect. And he's like, I'm coming home. And he's, it's like he has an aha moment, like he's starting to figure out what what's happening, you know. Yeah. And more importantly, I think, not more importantly, but equally important is the fact that when the enigma throws down with envelope girl he hurts her pretty bad and yeah. it's and it's michael that steps in and says whoa whoa this is not good you 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 can't do this you can't kill her and enigma's like why who cares and um it it just shows that michael has um at least respect and understanding for people of orientation other than himself Right, because the woman, obviously, well, not obviously, but one could assume heterosexual. But Michael's like, you can't, 
just you can't just dispose of her. She's not garbage. You can't kill her. That that's not right. It's it, so he he is embracing not only himself but but in, in a sense everyone, right? It's a good scene. Well, it doesn't end well for Envelope Girl anyway. But <laughs> at least Michael tried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, through no fault of his. But. Uh, Yep, and then we're and then finally Michael has this confrontation, well, like you said, with the Enigma, and they're like he's yelling at him, and he wants answers, and the Enigma's like kind of blowing him off, being like, I don't really have answers for you, dude. Like, you know, I don't know what you want from me, and and uh, and then and then we get back, and and we we get the oh, we get the same word balloons, the same text that we got in the very beginning of the book, which was it was an ordinary sort of farm in Arizona, the kind of place where you'd have sexual relations with your parents and end up shooting someone. Only this time we get we get we actually see what happens right which is as you've alluded like a, a child horribly deforms his dad with superpowers like elephant man-esque def- for deformation the mom freaks out shoots the dad in the face a million times because she can't stand to look at it and then throws the baby into the well and yeah. and it's 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 the enigma and you know the enigma is this super being as we said that's got these godlike powers and lives this life and then it's like we learn the ha- and how does he get from from here to there, well, as you said, like he he finally comes out of the well uh, after years of of just living within it and wanders around and ends up at the site of the of the avalanche where or not the avalanche the earthquake that killed Michael's dad and finds the comics and um and like he's just he's he's got these you know and basically what what is clear is that he's he's I don't know if he's omnipotent per se but he's so powerful that he's he's been able to extend his consciousness out over time. And that's how, even though he was in a well his whole life, he was able to sort of gain the power of speech and and understand the world because he can perceive it. He can perceive it through other people and through reading their minds and experiencing things. Like he has kind of this this uh, this, this 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 consciousness that he can that he can tap into. But in order for him to to figure out a way to uh, to handle the corporeal world. Outside of this well, he he starts trying to put structure around it, and he's basically like the Beyonder. He can shift reality, he can shape how he looks, he can shape how people act, he can imbue people with powers, and he does that. And and his his main basis for that are these comics, and and that includes manipulating Michael into being who he needs him to be, right? Which is right. a pretty interesting take, um, and and like a pretty horrifying realization for Michael, right? Because uh, like like in terms of whether or not he's had a choice because you know then they they then they then the book gets explicitly erotic they they have physical intimacy caress and um and then the opening pages of issue seven are are them in bed naked together you know post-coital yeah and they've been on a multiple day journey of sexual uh expression and and experimentation and and um, and and what's interesting is that Michael is is alive now, right? He's he's he 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 can't even fathom the person he had been in terms of sex every once a week and 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 how mundane it was all and and it just it just and he didn't think about it one way or the other like the repression it's all gone now and 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 uh, you know and he's trying to figure out the how and the why of it and and still who the enigma is and 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 who created him and and. Uh, and and he say, even asks the enigma. He says, "Would you know? Would you know if it's not true? If I created you, I mean." And then the enigma looks at him, kind of with this look on his face, like, "Oh, you silly boy!" He says, "Of course I know it's not true. I created myself." 
right? It really happened. And that's where we're like, oh, so all, like all of this really did happen. And then and, and you kind of, for me, the pieces all fell into place. Like, oh, like he really did play with lizards. Like he really did like create these, these beings. Like this is like, this all happened because the dude's got crazy superpowers. Like that's, oh, that's, that's wild. That's wild. Like, you know? Yeah. I think it's important to note, uh, going back to something you said a couple minutes ago, that um, the Enigma isn't very forthcoming verbally. He's mm-hmm. he's not a, a motor mouth. He's, he's very um, stingy with revealing his um, anything verbally. And again, to, to go back to that metaphor that, that this whole thing is built around, if he was vocal, Michael would have listened, right? But when his communication is, is, is relegated to a whisper, Michael has to come to the enigma, right? Anybody can listen to a whisper in their ear like, hey, buddy, you're gay. But in, in, in this construct, the enigma isn't very forthcoming with any kind of information, nor should right. he be because mm-hmm. it's a – it's a it's a, a a state of of being that Michael hasn't realized yet, and if it was vocal, he would have again heard it or listened to it or taken its its words to heart and 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 uh, reflected. But no, the the enigma is very very um, terse, and that's important to the story. Again, the metaphor that um, it, it the fact that. You know your sexual orientation doesn't always scream out to you and and, and make it uh, you know patently obvious of what you are. Sometimes you have to seek out, and again, just just perfect. Yeah, and and they even after after they've become lovers, they they uh, Enigma helps Michael take the skeleton of his dad and bury him. Yeah, uh, proper burial. Yeah, give him a proper burial and. And even there, Michael's talking to his dad as he buries him and says, I, you know, I wish I could see you again just once, talk to you one more time. There's so much you didn't know about me. Yeah. That's life, I suppose. And, like, that, again, to your point, like, that's obviously once you understand the, the totality of the story, you're like, that's that's another issue of, of that the people have, have had to deal with being closeted, you know, just right. just that they, they couldn't be their true selves to even their loved ones for, you know, for whether by their choice or for fear of the reprisal or what have you. Exactly. Uh, and then like, and then he finally, like he's been, so Michael's been off the grid basically having bang time with the Enigma <laughs> and Titus is like, where the fuck is he at? And like Michael calls him, he's like, yo bro, I'm here. I've been hitting it with Enigma. And Titus is like, what? you've been banging my my character like what is going on like what especially because remember titus is gay and he propositioned michael and obviously he's like dude he's like well like i don't even like i thought you were gay like you know like i thought you weren't gay like like uh you know and 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 then it was funny because like 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 i think titus is a funny dude and and uh right and then and then he's like uh uh you know how fit? You know how fit are you? Can you get out? Because again, Titus was banged up, was in the hospital, and and then Titus is like, "What do you have in mind? A threesome?" <laughs> he's, he's obviously jealous, and and yeah, the, for sure. In in the one oh, yeah. towards the end of the book, when when they're like, "You want to do this?" and he's like, "Yeah, let's do this." And and the Enigma and and Michael, you know, they kiss and and embrace, and Titus says, "Yeah, I wish I had somebody looked at me the way he looks at you." 
Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. And then the the scene where they're they're talking to Victoria, who's now in the hospital convalescing from Enigma almost killing her. Um, and she's no longer at the envelope uh, girl. She She's, you know, kind of been sh- snapped back to reality from the attack of from Enigma. Um, she's laying in the hospital bed and then suddenly in a great bout of illustrative body horror, she starts screaming and, and you get like the alien thing where like her chest is ripping open. But then her body folds up into a fucking like skin cube. Yeah. It's like a- it's this grotesque cube of bottle of like a human body. And then out from it comes this this feral, naked creature with long, sharp, you know, Freddy Krueger like hands and the like. It's the invert. We come to learn is 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 you know Enigma's mom, right? Effectively, yeah. what happened to Envelope Girl is the inverse of what she did as Envelope Girl. It, she transported mm-hmm. people from her dress into parcels. She's the parcel. After she loses the Envelope Girl power, she's now the parcel for. The Enigma's mom. Like, that's... Right. Sh- shut up. That... Boom. My head just exploded. <laughs> yeah. What a freaking great book. Again, uh, if, if you haven't taken any of our words uh, to heart, please seek out this book and read it. It is just way beyond amazing. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. And, and then, you know, basically we get a even more detailed look at, 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 at Enigma's journey in, inclusive of like, again, like we talked about his, his creating his own reality and, and, and you see like him mutating these, these creature, these lizards into other, 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 you know, other beings and creatures and the like. And, um, and, and then, and then the mother, you know, who basically went to an insane asylum after all of that stuff happened where she throws the kid down the well and, and and Enigma coming into this world and 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 coming out of his well has has awakened something in her and she's and she morphs into this mute, mute, mutant creature and she's seeking him out presumably to you know, to to end him as she intended to do uh, you know back then and it's like weird because then they the the, the next issue opens up where where uh, Enigma had been wandering kind of the earth a bit and they discover him and they bring him to the hospital and like. The scene is him like getting ready to eat a foot, like mm-hmm. he's, ready, he's like because he's foot, like yeah yeah because he just doesn't like he doesn't really have a concept like even though he does understand reality to an extent because of his powers he doesn't quite understand reality such that he thinks it's perfectly fine to try and eat someone's foot because <laughs> he t- like so it's almost like the Tarzan thing right where like you know Tarzan kind of knows a bit about being a human but he doesn't quite get it all when he comes to the city he just certain things he has to learn yeah like don't eat someone's foot. I still have questions yeah. about the uh, mom and dad uh, enigma, where um, the mother definitely shares first issue Michael's apathy and and uh, detachment, where she's sitting on the porch and she's all pregnant and she's just like, yeah, whatever, another day. Uh, but the questions I have are, where did the enigma's power come from? What could possibly have come from the product of two people in in the backwoods of Arizona that would infuse this child with powers? And did the mother just blow dad's head away because he was grotesque? Or what, what form did the father take that triggered 
pun intended, the the wives like rampage with the shotgun. Like, I, yeah, it. The, I, they, ultimately, they really don't matter in terms right. of the story. Like, who cares? But I just like I wonder when I'm when I'm delving into this situation and 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 the backstory, uh, the fact that the wife saw something in her husband that pushed her to the ver not to the verge but pushed her to murder him not only shoot his blow his head apart but do it like umpteen times what was it what representation did her father did did, did the father take that pushed the wife to do this like it, I, I don't need to know but it's i find it curious that it wasn't made explicit in the story Maybe Milligan didn't, well, I obviously didn't think it was important to detail how the baby got such powers. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, twice, obviously, they say it's a place where you have sexual relations with your parents and end up shooting someone. So, like, it implies that she, that, the, that the mom had sexual relations with, you know, like, was possibly abused, like, by, by a parent or, or had consensual sexual relations, yeah, I guess. But, may have. And then, and then in the scene through the window where they're looking at baby Enigma... You know, she's like, "What's wrong? Is there something wrong?" And then he says, "I don't really know, honey. He just looks a little." And that's when his face gets crazy deformed, like like right. he reacts to that. So it's like, you know, was Enigma deformed because he was a product of of incest? Right? I mean, we don't really quite know because Enigma says, even as he's describing to Michael the the, the realities of all that's happened, that that he he morphs his own. He's able to he morphs his own physical appearance to smooth it out and look more like the character from the comic, right? So like he, we don't really know what he looked like. Like at birth, right? So he changes his physical form in accord to what he feels those around him demands. Again, yeah. plays yeah. into the 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 concept of the book. But the father was judging, right? He didn't look right. Something off about this, right? Yeah. This kid. So the Enigma took him out, just fucked him up, fucked him up big time. He, <laughs> eventually, yeah, he turned him into uh, dust pizza with the. The wife's shotgun. And then obviously we, we the mask plays a big role in all of this too, right? I mean, you mentioned it's like a it's like an opera mask, but but the mask is on the cover of the trade, it's on the first cover of the original comic. It's it's and and his and the Enigma's willingness to remove the mask or not, and as the case may be, is all part of it, right? I mean, and it's not much of a leap to say like the mask again, what is he like the mask is to hide something. Sure. You know, hide your identity, hide your reality, right? And and we're very used to that in superhero tropes. It's because, like, oh, they don't want their, you know, they want to live a normal life. But in this case, I think it's more about the metaphor of, like, yeah. who one truly is, right? Like, and peeling the mask away and seeing them for who they are. Because at one point, I know that, I remember that, that Titus was like, oh, you've seen him without the mask? You know? Like, like, and it's like, yeah, I see, I've seen who he really is, right? As he sees himself as well as who he yeah. really is. Um, Masks obfuscate. They hide. It's, it's, it's part and parcel of the metaphor right they cover up the reality underneath it's it's gold jerry i was um the the scene where uh it's revealed that um michael's change what the heart wants uh was uh was pretty much manipulated and and when uh when it when asked if um he wants to change back 
that 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 whole exchange was um it it had to be done it it was it, it i mean it's fitting it it absolutely makes sense but it was it it it's one of those things where yes it this is and that and that's something else that happens when when someone is is um is comfortable or comes out it it's like this is this is who i am this is um i'm i'm better now i'm happier now i i'm i'm who i'm meant to be i'm who i was always meant to be and um and I, I think it, it, part of me feels that even if Enigma didn't push him or nudge him or do anything to Michael, that uh, that, that Michael still would have. Um, because even leading up to that, obviously, it, 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 at, at the bar and seeing the dude on the street, it, it, these were always things uh, in Michael in some way, shape, or form. So Enigma just kind of... Um, brought them out so even though yes he does admit that uh that he did kind of make michael love him um regardless of whether nigga was in his life i still feel that um well we wouldn't have had this story but i still feel that that that, that this is the path michael was always destined to be on well, right, yeah, that's, definitely yeah that's the whole thing though i don't i in, in terms of the story yeah the enigma manipulated him but but did he really i know i know know, but deeper deeper meaning the enigma isn't a a a character a human being a a physical uh, entity the enigma is the notion that you know um it's it's sexual realization so Mm -hmm. of course the enigma's in that term in that sense the enigma is going to manipulate you because it's a thing that you have residing within you, you right and, and and it goes to back to the 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 brevity of the enigma's uh verbalization it's not going to scream at you it's there it it it, it interacts with your consciousness but you may not even know it's there and, and right. that's what that's how it manipulates him subtly but it's not like it doesn't force him to be gay. It's just there, and he has to realize it. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, it, 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 right. It's, I mean, at, he, as he's as he's coming to the realization, because because like Michael's having trouble with this, right? Because he's falling in love with the Enigma, but he's also realizing that like for the for well, however, the Enigma was justified in trying to come to terms with his ability to handle this reality. It doesn't change the fact that these were real people that he turned into creatures or mm-hmm. villains and, and that they ended up dying and getting murdered by him and murdering other people and like that's hard for michael to understandably to accept and he's like yelling at him and saying like you know you basically you you threw you know your mind into these people and twisted and mutilated them so that they'd fit into your world you know for yourself and he's pissed about it and then like he has this aha moment where he says um you know you did that to me too like you made me queer so i'd fall in love with you and and I was interested in that because I was like, oh, I wonder like where Milligan's going to go with this. Is he going to play that off or not? And and you know, and Enigma says, yes, I I did. And he said, I'm I'm sorry, I'll change you back, I'll undo, you know. And then Titus is like, I think he's offering to dehomosexualize you, Michael. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then um, and then Michael says no. And then you know, Titus is like, good boy. And then to and then to the point where Dap, you know, Dap is saying where, where he then goes on and says, you know, it just doesn't matter. 
the how or the why I got here, but but I'm here now and I I like myself this way. Like mm-hmm. I'm comfortable now for the first time ever. So so like I you know I, so I'm going to stay this way because I'm I'm happy this way. And like that's you know again like y- yes so yes from a, a a linear on the surface story yes the enigma used his godlike superpowers to to uh, to make Michael fall in love with him specifically but ultimately right i think that the message here and it's i don't i think it's it's not it's not too deeply buried there is that is that uh this is all very natural progression for michael and if in a way and the enigma almost gave him a gift right like sure like the enigma didn't gift i mean a lot of the people the enigma changed did not for the better right like but but i guess as it comes to michael it was a gift and uh um, and, and also again like the lizard part you know <laughs> It, it when you go back and reread it, it's like all on the page. I mean, when the Enigma is walking through his journey and how all this happened, how he got there, he he says to Michael, "You see that green lizard over there, the fat one? Imagine if he had a human's intelligence. Imagine if he knew this entire story, but could only communicate it to the minuscule brains of his fellow lizards." And like at first, you're like, "Well, that's a, that's weird." Like, okay, <laughs> like weird thing. But then you're like, "Oh, aha, okay," you know. Um, yeah, and then the mom shows up, and basically, Michael and Titus and the Enigma walk hand in hand right at the mom, the mom creature. And there's a bunch of lizards sitting around excitedly, red lizards sitting there, and and the green lizards standing up and shaking his arms and telling him the story. And obviously, that you know, the the, the narrator was the lizard, the green lizard, yeah, and, and he. And 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 that's and the story ends there. We we don't as the list says like that's the end of my my journey in the story. I don't so we don't know. We don't know if the mom creature kills any of them or they defeat the mom creature. What happens to them after that? Does the enigma go away? We don't know any of that. We never will. That's that's not the point, you know. So just a masterstroke. I mean, I think beautiful, just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful book on a lot of levels. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, and and. and I really would like, I mean, to those that that, that are going to listen to this episode, you know, we, we do have uh, lots of awesome uh, LGBTQ friends and listeners of the show. And I know for some of them, in fact, some of them were, were part of recommending the book to us. But I, I um, like I know with with, you know, with with Brian Newbery, like his I know his 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 significant other also named Jason, you know, loves this book, has a tattoo of it. Uh, so like, I, I, I'd love to hear, cause I've read, I read some commentary about Enigma in preparation for this, where a few, uh, a few people, um, that are, you know, a few gay writers or reviewers said that this was such a powerful book for them because you didn't see queer people in comics before this. Um, now again, I, I feel like I have a pretty good, finger on the pulse of the history of comics, but I don't like, I don't know how definitively true that is or is not right. Like in other words, like how significant this was to see for gay comic readers in 1993. Like, was it as seismic as these particular reviews I read of it suggest it was or not? And and that's, I can't answer that. So I'm going to ask for our listeners who uh, that, that are gay that remember reading this at an earlier point in their life. Was it as significant as it was portrayed in these reviews that I read? I could see that being the case, being that it came out in the early '90s. But I, you know, because that would add to the significance of this, particularly because you know, time is such a that the timing of a lot of this work is always so important to the narrative, right? Like we've talked about that a million times. Like, like what was the, how was this book received when it came out? 
like and what was the world like then and we forget that the world changes pretty quickly in some ways and so it's it's it the impact of reading it now may not be the same right as it would have been back in 1993 right well um from my perspective there was zero reaction to the book but i live in scranton pennsylvania (laughs) and in when did Mm -hmm. this come out 93 yeah in 93 i mean those who read it didn't talk about it, right? <laughs> mm. uh, mm-hmm. I, I certainly appreciated it, uh, but uh, as far as dialogue at the local comic shop, there wasn't any. So I can't speak to the impact it had. And um, again, if 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 there were uh, portions of the clientele of the local comic shop that were gay, they surely didn't make it vocal. So right, right, yeah. We're in better times in a lot of senses and 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 a little bit worse times. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, anytime we veer into the social commentary part, I think we generally, understandably, take a pretty like pessimistic tone, and I think a lot of that is justified. But I do think it is important, particularly someone you know, and Vince, you're in the same boat, like with young adult kids. Like, they do give me hope that we are on a better path, even maybe if it doesn't feel like we're moving linearly, like there are fits and starts, and and certainly there are setbacks, and also, you know, the world isn't going to change, like, ever 100% perfectly, but I, like, I see the way my kids approach sexual identity and sexuality and the sexual politics and gender normative behaviors, and, like, it, it, they just view the world in such a completely diametrically different way than we were brought up to view the world and yeah. certainly our parents. And like, so yeah, like, like it's not, things are far from perfect. And I know some of their peers don't see the world in the same way they do, but like, I do see a lot of their peers taking a much, much healthier, more loving, inclusive worldview. And like, that is how things do change for the better right so again like i'm not sitting here saying oh no things are great like i they're certainly not and 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 like you said in some ways you know we're maybe going the other direction again but like i am really heartened by much like i think our generation or people a little younger than us like really were the first to legitimately not factor in a person's skin color into the way that we viewed them Right. At least not overtly, right? Like, I'm not, t- again, I acknowledge systemic racism continues to exist, but I mean, like, where we legitimately didn't hold anything against someone because of their skin color, like, versus just, like, having, like, maybe our parents would say they didn't, you know, oh, I'm not, but, like, I feel like this generation, our, my, our kids' generation is the first where they really aren't, a lot of them, again, I'm, nothing's 100%, are legitimately just not judging of people based on their gender or their sexual preferences and like that's a beautiful thing right like that is how the world does get better i mean sure you need need a chunk of people to stop thinking about it in as as a reason to exclude or view someone differently and i think that's great you know like like and and we've talked this before i mean with your kids but like i mean as far as i know i mean well i guess my youngest is you know still pretty asexual because he hasn't really hit puberty yet but like my two older boys are are heterosexual you know in terms of their preferences but like my middle son, you know, you guys know, like he's like he wears nail polish to school, you know, like he 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 like he like my, like and I'm not saying like he has like he and his friends have absolutely no like they work hard to 
completely break down the stereotypes that we were talking about earlier of like, oh, if you dress this way or if you like this thing or if you wear these kinds of clothes or if you're interested in this kind of thing like fashion, like like they have they have shattered all of those those view, worldviews like like in t- with intention, like they have intentionally challenged those views. Right. Like 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 live their lives like like they'll wear a skirt if they want to wear a skirt doesn't mean anything other than they want to wear a skirt. Right. Doesn't mean that they like men or women or both. But like I said, my my son is he he is at least as to this point in his life proclaims himself to be you know on the spectrum of purely heterosexual. Like he's only attracted to 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 women. But 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 he expresses himself in terms of his interests and his dress and his deme- like like in a much less sort of purely male way right or stereotypically mm-hmm. male way and like that's beautiful like that's totally that's awesome you know yeah. like i went to the tyler concert with him you know like is and, and tyler has a a line of cosmetics uh, you know nail polishes and the like and uh and my oldest son got jackson my middle son these tyler nail polishes for christmas because that's what he wanted and like these are little things that probably like some of our people listen to like who like that's a beautiful thing as like as a as a as a 47 year old man who you know grew up as you know, in a world where like people were closeted, right? Like, 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 like for fear of their own safety and, and, and ability to, to work and, you know, to, to like, to have my one kid get my other kid, like happily nail polish, like as the big gift. And then them like both be super elated by that. Or to have my youngest son use the, you know, you know, talk about, um, you know, uh, like, like trans mask, use the term trans mask. And my 19 year old be like, did you just use the term trans mask? Like, how do you know that term? And it's because my 13 year old, like, why wouldn't he know the term? He has a trans friend who's trans mask. So it's just the proper way to, to speak about his friend. But like, that's a term that like 95% of people are, age don't even know what the fuck that means, much less would be willing to use it. You know, it's beautiful. So like, I, I do take beauty in that. Like there is hope, you know, even though there, there are certainly lots of ways we need to continue to get better. Like there is hope. All right. Well, and I there- love that. I agree with all that, but the the reason why I said it, it's a better time and it, it's also you know not so great is that it's it's amazing that all of these issues are coming to the forefront and they're discussed and they're revealed and exposed and and talked about and dealt with and embraced by this young generation. But in doing all that, you make the opponents of all that stuff very much aware of their existence. So True. you, you yeah. have those that are vehemently against this kind of stuff, very, very vocal and very, in in some cases, very, very physical about retaliating against these things that frankly scare them, mm-hmm. right? So very good times, but in, yeah. in, in terms of the opponents being made aware that this stuff, number one, exists because like you said, trans mask, who, that, who the hell knows, right? So when you alert these um the different mindset that these things exist you got a little bit of a problem on your hands but how do you embrace it without uh, revealing its existence it's impossible you can't so yes it's getting better and the children as it's been said will show us the way it's yeah. very very true i mean when you think about it right it's like we aren't that far removed from a time when when Will and Grace, the sitcom aired, and there was the first on-screen male-male kiss, and half of the ABC affiliates 
refused to air the episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that was not even, what, 20 years ago? Maybe roughly, maybe about 20 years ago now? So, again, I don't mean to, like, I am no way trying to, people listening, to, to, to dismiss or say, oh, things are great. Like, I, I'm not, you all know me, you know, I'm not, I'm not riding that ride. I know we got a lot of fight ahead. But, but like, it is important as you fight the fight to acknowledge the progress because that gives you hope to continue the fight. Sure, right? like, exactly. If there was nothing we could point to, it'd feel pretty hopeless and people maybe would give up the journey. And so, like, and again, it's like with civil rights, like, I fully, I am... You know, I have I have ostracized myself from the vast majority of people in my town because I refuse to let them pretend that systemic racism isn't real. But that being said, it also would be ridiculous of me as someone who spends my life investing in understanding like long term demographics that like, you know, we can we can still acknowledge that systemic racism is a very real thing and we need to do a lot more to fix it while also acknowledging that look where we were 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago when it comes to civil rights and like, so we, we have made progress. I fully embrace. We haven't made enough progress or progressed as fast as we should, but we have made progress. And like, for me, I like to remember that so that it gives me hope that the fighting that we're doing now and the complaining and the pushing and the political activism and all of that, like actually will have a positive outcome and it may not be as fast as we want. It may not even come to fruition in our lifetimes in the way that we want but like it is still worth doing yeah because like yeah. Every, every every little bit of improvement is makes it worth the moments of being uncomfortable among your peers and your yeah. associates you know well real change doesn't come easily and 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 it's all it always comes with a fight but by those that that want the status quo to be maintained so well, shit i mean you know i was born in the 70s you were like think think about that like think about that time like in a in what like in a six-year window how many prominent people within the civil rights movement were killed like killed like actually assassinated yeah like, you know like like i mean we view it now in like a historical context but like they were like you were turning on the news and like imagine how the world would be right now if we turn on the news and like prominent political leaders are being killed in this country every few months like like we would the world we would be in an absolute panic with social media right like if if you know if you know, Bernie gets gunned down and then fucking, you know, Cruz gets gunned. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what was happening in the 60s, dude. Like, yeah. every few months, like, someone of prominent, like, two Kennedys, like, you know, like, 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 Malcolm, like, Dr. King, like, they, like, and this is on a very small window where they were literally getting shot to death. <laughs> like, like, this was not like a, you know, like, and that was the world that they were living in. And that's the kind of things that were happening in order to affect real change, you know, like, so, yeah, I mean. It's never pretty. It's never pretty, but worthy, you know. Very much, very much. And so is this book very much worthy. So <laughs> remember, seek it out. If you haven't read it already, oh, do yourself a huge favor and read it. The en- well, Enigma by Peter Milligan, Duncan Fregredo, and Sherilyn Van Walkenberg. I'll take Jason's lead on that. Mm-hmm. Hope you enjoyed this. We do it once a month, Book of the Month episode, and it is voted upon, or in this case, suggested by our patrons, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Every month we float uh, suggestions out there. Hey, what do you want us to talk about this month? And they get down to it. In the case of Enigma, it was suggested by Peter Linfield, Jeff Weish. Am I saying that right? Weish. We'll find out. Yes. Timothy <laughs> Barnett, Raj Patel, 
and Jefferson Workman. So it got a good, a nice popular vote there for a while. Well, my tattoo brother, he's the reason I, I got a tattoo from one of the artists I got my tattoo from a few months ago. That's right. Uh, the April form will be up shortly, so you can throw your suggestions up there as well. Uh, again, we have a running list of all of the suggestions that we've been getting since January. So um, as we did with Enigma over the past couple of months, uh, it's been hit hard and heavy. So, um, yeah, uh, whatever you think might make for good uh, listening, let us uh, let us know. Yep. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Go there. Check it out. We would love to have you. I think it's time for the In Your Travels. People were a little bit butthurt that we didn't have an In Your Travels. Uh, the what was the last episode? We didn't have when one. When Brian was on. Yeah. When Brown, Ian Brownie was on. So uh, we shall do so. In Your Travels, you bastards. I want you to read a book written by Cullen Bunn. Art. Here's, here's where David's going to know what I'm talking about. Art by Freddie Williams II. Colors mm. by Andrew Dalhouse. It is, oh boy, if there was ever a book that was tailor-made for me, Godzilla versus the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number one. <laughs> this book, holy crap. It, it was so good. Number one, Freddie mm. Williams. Come on, really? Um, it has the OG Power Rangers. Jason, Billy, Zach, Trini, Kimberly, Tommy, okay? The original Power Rangers, Saban's Power Rangers. And the rub is Rita finds an artifact that lets her transverse dimensions. So she goes to, she lands in a dimension where Godzilla is real. And it just so happens that when we encounter Godzilla for the first time, he's fighting megalon shut up this love letter right and uh she eventually she wants to take the monsters and use them for her own nefarious ends as does the aliens from planet x i mean if you know your your toho films your kaiju films you know the planet x uh aliens and that's the deal there's a fight in here between the Dragon Zord and Godzilla. Like, there's no deeper meaning, unlike the, uh, the Enigma. It's, <laughs> it is just pure, pedal-to-the-metal kaiju fun that is written uh, and produced for those who love this stuff. Uh, the Power Rangers, aside from the Green Ranger, the Power Rangers don't really get into it until the very end. It's basically a, a, a knockdown dragout between Godzilla and the Dragon Zord. And uh, it doesn't go so well for the Dragon Sword. <laughs> so read this if you want to see breathtaking, magnificent art by Freddie Williams II. Uh, pretty damn great beginning to a story by Colin Bond. And Dollhouse just slays it on the, on the colors. Get this book. It, it, it's just plain perfect. It's perfect. Mm. Yeah. That's why I say shut up. <laughs> this book is it's not going to get any better uh Megal shooky, shooky. well uh, let me fine-tune that megalon was a very good choice to showcase godzilla doing what godzilla does i would have preferred it to be hedora but 
you know, I'm not that demanding. Megalon is fine with me. As long as it wasn't Ghidorah. Because I have had my friggin' full of of King Ghidra enough. But <laughs> Megalon, yeah. All right, we're there. Get this. Godzilla versus the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, number one, from IDW. You'll, you just listen to me and get it. Noise. Uh, in your travels, I know a, uh, the latest issue um, came out, but uh, I am catching up on a... Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, and uh, up to the fourth issue, um, our uh, our our hero, uh, Wong. He he's we're 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 finding a little bit. There's we're getting some um, some clues as to uh, who this individual might be, or at least. Uh, well, who he's pretending to be, or 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 things aren't exactly uh, what they seem, and it all goes back to that first issue where uh, he walks his way to that house where a murder took place, and um, and replaying the events of the day through his head, uh, who he bumped into, and who may have uh, done the murder. It, it's all. Remender's doing a really good job of uh, of kind of um, deliberately telling this story as and 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 introducing players and maybe because we're not getting we're not getting captions we're, it, it, the story isn't being narrated by somebody who's who's telling us who all these characters are. There's nobody telling us the story. We're we're, we're watching it all play out, which is probably why I enjoy this book uh, because it. It is, it is a comic that you, um, you're you're in it. You're in the moment with the characters, and and you you're watching it unfold, and and you're not. There's 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 nothing um, overhead helping guide your hand. Uh, everything you need to know is happening in the panels on the page, um, and that's uh, that's it's kind of why I like it, and 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 the. Uh, there's there's um there are some good people in this world and there are some very 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 bad people and uh and and i'm kind of just going along with it to see how bad things happen to the bad people is what i'm what i'm really hoping for but uh but yeah i'm i'm digging it a lot i am uh going to catch up this weekend i think the the fifth issue is out so um yeah any travels registers for vengeance nice uh six issues out actually today today oh okay great all right so i got two to read cool yep um so uh yeah before i do my inner travels i want to mention something quickly because i don't know when else i would um remember vince like back in the old days before uh before we had great digital files like you know you'd you'd make a copy of something but it would lose its fidelity you know like Mm -hmm. a little bit and if you made more than one copy, like it would progressively like less. Is fidelity the right word? Less. I think know, that's a good word. I, just okay. let me add to this. I remember mm-hmm. vividly, my dad was a truck driver, and they would pass around these photocopied images, like usually pornographic, 
uh, but but cartoons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the equivalent of the Tijuana Bibles, I guess. Um, right, right. The, the, I guess it, they were the progenitors of the memes. But mm-hmm. um, he would always come home, and he'd have this piece of paper folded up in his back pocket. And a lot, you know, I took it upon myself to look at a couple of them, and you know, you unfold them, and just a totally degraded, blasted out, over photocopied image made from a copy of a copy of a copy. I love that aesthetic. Not only because it remember, makes me remember my dad and those those goofy, crudely drawn <laughs> Im- mm-hmm. images, but I get I entirely get what you're talking about. That that yeah, nth generation images. Right, and and, and I, I bring it up because you know last week I was very complimentary of Black Widow. I'd read all the you know the, the series by Kelly, and I think it's fantastic. So another character that I've always been interested in is Spider-Woman. And so um, much like I did last week where I read all of the current Spider, uh, the current Black Widow run, I thought, you know what? I've, I've been I've been buying these issues. I'm way behind. Let me let me let me binge Spider-Woman um, this this iteration. So and I bring it up now because the the 21st issue came out today and it's the final issue. It's the series finale. Um, so I read all 21 issues this past week. Um, the few, the few of uh, I had read previously, but I, I did have been like almost two years, so I had to go back. Um, the, the entire series is written by Carla Pacheco, and and uh, and the majority of the series was drawn by Pere Perez. Um, and I I bring up the few people are like what's that have to do with the photocopy? Well, I bring up the photocopy because I can't give this series the praise that I gave Black Widow, and the main reason for that is that um, there are elements to it, both visually, in terms of the style of the layouts the action sequences the uh the sight gags as well as the narrative that i enjoyed and i i i thought oh that's cool but here's the thing in my opinion it is very much meant to be a continuation of the what i think to be incredible spider woman run that we got from our friend dennis don't call me hopeless hallam as a writer um, with Javier uh, um, and a few other people uh, on art, uh, he had a bunch of different uh, art partners. But Javier Rodriguez was the main artist, at least in the beginning, and then uh, a few other people after that. But, but like that series, I thought was so magical in in terms of its tone. And Rodriguez's like visuals were just really clever and just just wonderful action sequence. It reminds me actually a lot of like what Bruno Redondo is doing in Nightwing right now. Just love that series in all ways. This was like very much a spiritual successor to that. But to me, it felt like a photocopy. Like it just wasn't quite the same, you know, like the, the, it felt more like Carla and Perry were trying to give us what Dennis and Javier gave us versus doing their own thing. And so, like, I was like, ah, oh, like, it just didn't have the zing. Like, it felt like a photocopy or like a, a, a you know, 85% fidelity version of of what Dennis and Javier gave us a few years back. And and that 15% goes a long way into turning a great thing into an average thing, you know. So, so, so long-winded way of saying I think this current Spider-Woman iteration was a, was a very average superhero comic. Again, not bad, but like, like if you if you are curious about the character, and you haven't read this yet, and you have Marvel Unlimited, read the 2015 through 2017 Hallam Rodriguez Spider Woman instead of this. 
Um, so yeah. So in your travels, because obviously you're like, well, that's not a very good in your travels. Well, because you're telling me not to read it. Um, in your travels uh, from Image Comics, which is shocking, because this is not a, a book you would assume, assume Image would put out. Uh, written and drawn by Simon Stalinhog, and I'm probably saying his name totally wrong because there's a strange little circle over his A in his name. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure that probably means I'm pronouncing it wrong, but Simon Stalinhog would be the phonetic way of saying it. Uh, it is The Labyrinth. It's a beautiful square-bound hardcover, um, but put out by Image. It's a book that you would have expected to see from Drawn and Quarterly or Fanta um, in format and type. I, I So I don't know if this means Image is trying to encroach on their territory or not, but um, this is... <sighs> I'm not sure it's really a comic, to be honest with you. It It, it is, to me, more of a storybook. It, 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 meaning that, and I know we've talked about how the, the lines are blurred there, but what I mean is is this is a, a, a book where one page of, the, when you open it up, there's a, there's a full illustration, full bleed illustration on one page, and then prose on the other page. And and it, so it's it you know there there are no word balloons there's no so it's very separate like the images and the words are very separate, um, and the images are I don't know if you're familiar with Stalin Hogg either of you, um, but I guess apparently he's not generally a comic book creator more he's more of a concept artist, and that comes through because the images are very much like three D video game rendered. Like almost, almost as though you're looking at reality, but just a little more polished, a little more sheen to it. Um, you know, they're not; they don't look drawn. They look computer. Well, they are computer generated. So, um, so yeah, like not really like a comic per se, but again, by image. And the premise is right up my alley. It's a post-apocalyptic story about uh, basically the Earth's destroyed there's a there's a civilization of a small group of people that uh, that live underground now in a self-contained uh society um three people matt sigrid and charlie are uh, assigned to come up to the earth uh, to the surface to do some rel- uh, like a regularly scheduled series of tests at an outpost i guess about like you know the climate and and the you know, biosphere and a biome to see if they can perhaps come back up to the surface. And, uh, and it's, it's their story and it's, and it, and it, and it's, and, and it's basically like a murder, a, mur- a story about a murder mystery that involves these three. Um, I very much enjoyed the story, like very much enjoyed the experience, but, but a weird, weird book because it's, it's again, it, it's not like when you think of comics of the confluence of picture and image uh, words in, in pictures, it's, it's not really that. So an odd duck of a book, but uh, but but one I can definitely recommend if you like post-apocalyptic uh, uh, stories. It like very well executed, but didn't feel like a comic to me. David, yeah, Simon is the creator of Tales from the Loop. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah. Nice. See, I knew I'd get that out of you. Yeah, um, all of his things I think are interconnected. So I'm guessing that the book you're reading right now is tied somehow to Tales from the Loop. Uh, Yeah, I love his work. But my question to you is, are the images sequential in terms of the narrative? Yes. It's a comic. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I know we've had this conversation before. I'm, I'm I'm not... 
in as much as I even think like children's storybooks can be called comics, like I'm I'm not I'm not like fighting against it being called a comic. Oh no, I know you. But 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 I think but a lot of people might have pre-ordered this because it is image and, and the solicit. It, it's not going to feel like a comic in right. the conventional sense. Yeah, and it's all painted. So wait, so Tales from the Loop. I saw that he's the creator of Tales from the Loop. I didn't know what Tales from the Loop was. Oh, you haven't seen it? It's, a, it's an Amazon it's, Prime TV show. Yeah, it, yeah, it's um, great. Yeah. yeah, it is great. Uh, it really is, and kinda, it's an RPG also. Yes, yes. Kind of sad. We only got one season though. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I suggest you watch it. Yep, I concur. Cool. All right, everybody. Wow, that was a power-packed episode. Hope you loved it. Uh, if you wanted more of the same, we have presences other than in your ears. We're on Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, Podpickle, I think it's called, Podchaser, <laughs> Podorama, Apple, whatever. We're We're out there. Tickle, tickle. Yeah, let us know you're out there and we'll come to you. Uh, so in the meantime, go read some comics, especially Enigma. Come back next week. Well, it will be business as usual. We'll have a bunch of stuff to uh, educate you and to say something to David that goes to the tune of Say Goodnight. Not going to tap. <laughs> you probably can't even hear that. <laughs> David. Oh, we can hear your bottle uh, opener. It's not. It's a corkscrew. Uh, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. It's good. I... I don't have a corkscrew. Nah. No, your tail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an asshole. Uh, David. Love you. Love all of you. Come back next week. We'll be here. Say goodnight, Brohemes. Good night, Brohemians. That's it for that one.